you mentioned uh, President Nixon there. I was reading a piece that Norman Mailer wrote about you where, recently where he described you as the second most prominent American, second most prominent after Nixon. We might dispute that. But would you like to, to be president? No. No? No, sir. Too dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> like, in other words, here's a ship. People are dancing on the ship. A lot of money is on the ship. A lot of food is on the ship. And I cannot integrate on the ship. I cannot have equality on the ship. I'm just in the galley working. And I never could get up and see the captain of the ship. Now, all of a sudden, the man tells me, uh, say, come on down. I'll leave out of the galley. I want you to come up here and here, have something to drink. What do you want? And giving me number one spot. From the galley to the number one spot. I said, this ship must be sinking. Why is he <laughs> Why is he so nice to me now? What moves him to call me up here? Black men have been males now. One might be the president. America's in too much trouble. I don't want that job now. <laughs> You're traveling to another radio show. Broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind. A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro Nerd Radio. With your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. And introducing West Coast correspondent, Miss Claire Linnae. Mind expansion engaged. August 15th, 2018, and we are a week away. No sleep till Afropunk Brooklyn. A week away from Afropunk Festival. Uh, I cannot wait, but I am somewhat disappointed, only in the sense that the special guest that was announced was Pusha T. Not really looking forward to that. I'm not really a Pusha T fan that way. And I'll talk about it for a few moments. Um, we see the changes. I mean, this is kind of an inevitable thing. Once something becomes more popular, when the corporate machine gets entrenched, then things start to change, and not necessarily for the best. Anyway, the Midweek in Review edition of Afternerd featuring Captain Kirk. I think Captain Kirk. I'm trying to link up with him. Um, I'm going to go behind the scenes while I put this jammy jam on to see what's going on. But I see that the uncanny Daryl B. is here. And I see that our friend Q-Storm 
from the Red Shirts podcast is also here. The call in number, 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. A lot to discuss. Um, I'm giving you a three-hour show this time, folks. So, you know, no more excuses about we're getting close to going into the non – going into the podcast uh, mode. Right now we are broadcasting live for NYC. But, um, you know, sometimes we get into these rambunctious, lengthy conversations and we go over time. So three hours, people, a lot of music, a lot of facts to be disseminated, and a special – a new patron who uh, had some very nice words. I'm going to actually highlight this gentleman. And we'll get it in. Anyway, 646-915-9620, 646-915-9620. Let me find out what's going on with the captain. Let me give you some of this groove. This is the Hypnotic Brass Ensemble, Purple Afternoon. We'll be right back. Let's groove.
Okay, we're back. Once again, Hypnotic Brass Ensemble, Purple Afternoon. And this is a Purple Afternoon, late evening afternoon, slash afternoon. This is the Midweek in Review edition of Afternerd featuring Captain Kirk. Uh, normally, it features Captain Kirk. I don't know where he is. <laughs> so I'm assuming something went down behind the scenes that was unavoidable. Uh, if not, he'll be prob- probably joining in at some point. Um, these things happen. I understand that. So I did send him a message so we could always use his inimitable wisdom. But we have some cohorts here. We have, of course, the uncanny Daryl B. So I'm pretty sure he will be able to shore up Captain's, Captain's absence. Um, let me just now, – now I'm messing around with the board. This is when you, is when you have to have a two-, three-, four-man operation or woman operation. Um, now my boards are somewhat stuck. You know, I always want to give uh, the uncanny Daryl B. His, his due diligence. All right, let me just bring him in because, unfortunately, I'm unable to uh, get the boards up the way that they're supposed to be. Daryl B., the uncanny, how are let thou? Me, let me do my my thing. Uh, I said it last or uh, this early morning on WFAN. I'll say it here. Rest in peace to J- to, to Jim the Anvil Nightheart. Uh, thank you for the memory, sir. And a speedy, hopefully, recovery to Miss Aretha Franklin. Go like, yo, because that's a whole lot of talent about to leave the room, and I don't want her to go just yet. Let's get started. Yeah, uh, I'm glad you mentioned um, the, the Queen of Soul, because I believe she's in hospice care. And I think she is suffering from cancer, and she she's had some health issues for the last decade at least. We've been hearing these things, but there were there were points where we heard some stuff, and then we saw her lose some weight. We saw that she was rebounding, and now we're we're hearing something that's that's very very um, very regrettable, very uh, distressful. But uh, I like what the uncanny said. It is all about positive energy, positive thoughts. Please give your thoughts to the Queen of Soul. She is an American icon, one of one of the greatest singers that ever that has that continues to do it has has ever done it. And um, you know, look, I can't help it. I can't help it, Daryl. But when you think about the weight of her talent, and I'm not going to talk about her in past tense because that hasn't happened. But I'm seeing Safari arguing with Nicki Minaj, and that is what's left for the present day. I really feel sorry for this generation. When actually Aretha, our, our parents' generation, but we were able to understand that, and I appreciated Aretha Franklin and still appreciate her. I still, I still glommed on, even though uh, my father and my mother were into Aretha Franklin. But I was too. I was too, certainly. Um, but what's remaining? The, the, these artists need to straighten up. They really do. No, when you think no. about, you know what I mean. Well, that's that's why I've told you and I've told Captain these artists ain't getting a lick of my time. If I'm DJing a gig and I have to play one of their songs, fine. But on my Twitter and stuff, I see you guys going on dances about these artists. I don't give a crap about these artists. You don't see me post anything about these artists. Because they don't mean to me. 
They may have the mainstream time, good. Let them have the mainstream time. They ain't getting a lick out of my time. I'll use that well, to promote look, artists I like. Well, that's what we do here, obviously. You see what we do. Uh, well, oh, yeah. What Are you going to be going to Afropunk? Cap, uh, Tony yeah. Captain. Uncanny, you are? Saturday yeah, or I'll Sunday be, or both? I, I'll be going on the Sunday. I can't, I can't get uh, to see. Saturday. And, and you know what? Uh, hearing that Pusha T is going to be the Saturday, uh, fine. You guys on Saturday, handle that. I'll be busy with beautiful women dancing to, to offbeat and rock stuff on the Sunday. Oh, this is going to be hard because I only was able to get Saturday tickets, and I was hoping to try to fil- film some stuff. Maybe I could still film some stuff. But uh, anyway, uh, we'll work it out. Between the both of us, we'll be, at least we'll, we'll be able to give a full, you know. And you know something? I was hoping that Pusha T was not going to be on my day, so you lucked out. Um, all right. Anyway, let's let's get let's let's get into this. And to the to the listeners, I see some 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 numbers popping up. If you like to join in on the conversation, simply press zero. I'm what zero? <laughs> I'm out of it. Simply press one. Press one, and that way we know that you want to join in on the conversation. Again, press the number one from your smartphones uh, or whatever device you're using, and that way you'll be able to join in on the fun. Six four six nine one five nine six two zero six four six nine one five nine six two zero. So, our request to patronize the Afro Nerd Radio Machine by becoming a a Patreon subscriber um, or a patron via Patreon. Some numbers are moving, and I'm I'm very glad to hear that. And I didn't get a chance to write this this gentleman, and I will. But I want to read what he what he said about the Afro Radio Machine, and uh, and I appreciate we all appreciate his contribution because it really does help myself, the Uncanny, and of course, and of course the Captain, because that allow, that will allow us to expand and expound what we're doing, get us in the studio. Uh, folks want this Afro after dark. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of things we can actually get done. So if, if you can, again, patreon.com forward slash Radio. Again, patreon.com forward slash Radio. So a gentleman by the name of William, he says, I, I've been listening to you guys for years via Stitcher podcast. Over the years, I've gained invaluable knowledge on comics, movies, and pop culture while listening to your podcast. I have also learned about the many people of color contributed artistically, socially, and economically to American and black culture. I am so happy to be a patron of your show and wish you guys continued success and growth. I would like to one day be a contributor to your machine as I feel I can bring my unique voice to the table. Good luck in future endeavors, and I'm glad to be a part of more amazing things to come. Peace and blessings. Sir, I, I, you know, for, I'm sure that the Uncanny and, of course, the Captain, we appreciate your kind words. It does um, provide fuel because I, I know full and well that we're not just speaking into the air. I get the feedback. I see murmurings. I hear murmurings of folks kind of taking what we say and going in their own directions with it. So I, I'm just pleased to just kind of see 
that what we do and what we say, not that we have all the answers, but I, I do think we have some something to give that might be of assistance to some people, giving people the ability to think, to deconstruct, to be critical thinkers. And, and this is just off of comic book stuff. We go, we go deeper into just comic book stuff, but mind you, blurred culture, fantasy, it's a different slice of life. Going, we're going to talk about Afropunk next week. All that is, is endemic that black folks aren't always on the same page. That there's a lot of information, a lot of culture out here that has to be put forward. Anyway, enough of me um, kind of blustering and all that stuff. All right. Um, I'm going to go around, around, around the clock here a little bit because I was going to talk about some, uh, and we'll get into it. We, we have Amarosa. We got to talk about her, and I really don't have much to think, much to say about her, as far as her personality. You know, we kind of see that she's a very duplicitous person, but so is her former boss, and now our board, our boss, and I say that in in, in quotes. Uh, we'll get to her. I mean, you know, folks are kind of chomping at the bit to talk about her. Um, I want, you know what? Let's let's go to some actual lighthearted comic book stuff. I'm gonna have the great Daryl B take lead on this. Um, I didn't even get a chance to actually read the book. I bought the book. I'm about a week late on it, but I I did get some some tweets that folks were interested in what our opinions are on the return of the Fantastic Four. So and that's kind of show that we give you folks. We can talk about Amarosa and we can talk about Lee R. Cohen. But we can also talk about the Fantastic Four. Who would have thunk it? So Daryl, Dan Slott, writer Dan Slott, comes back with the Fantastic Four, um, you know, Marvel's first family. What were your impressions of the book? You might want to even give a little bit of the backstory as to why we're getting the Fantastic Four back again after, like, I don't know, a three-year hiatus, something to that effect, maybe more. Um Tell us what your, what your thoughts are of, of the first uh, first issue. All right. The reason we didn't have Fantastic Four for three years, three to five years, is because Marvel are adults. There it goes. Simple. That's all you need for the backstory. You, you're warring with Fox, so you take away my book when I don't even like Fox's damn movies. You take away my Fantastic Four. I'm calm. I'm calm. Let's get to the book. All right? For folks who haven't been getting it, Check out the Marvel 2-in-1. That acted like a, a prelude to this coming in, all right? Even though the Marvel 2-in-1, which is uh, Ben Grimm and Johnny Storm's adventures to try to find the Richards family, you know, that acted as a prelude to this number one. I know folks picked up Fantastic Four number one and loved it. I know folks that picked it up and hated it. I compared this to bat of the uh, quote-unquote bait-and-switch type uh, that happened here. But that was a good thing. Why? Because it allowed the buildup of the story, which, again, I don't spoil these things. I allow, I'll tell you what I feel about it, and then we'll see what you guys could take and go with it, okay? But essentially, we're following once again – Ben Grimm and Johnny Storm without the Richards family on Earth, okay? that uh, They've come back from their adventures that happened in the two-in-one, uh, two and one of them has made peace with 
well, maybe the Richards family is gone forever, and one of them is still making an effort to try to find them, or why are we giving up? We got to get them back. And through that, SWAT is building, building, building up until the book's climax, where you see uh, the missing family members, uh, or at least a couple of the missing family members, make an appearance in the book. So, be to this, all right? And again, like I said, bait and switch, because you don't actually get the Fantastic Four together. You get the signs of them coming together, all right? And that's why I said it's just like Batman 50, because Batman 50 was telling you, oh, there's going to be a bat marriage. Oh, there's going to be a bat marriage. There's going to be a bat marriage. And then they spoil it in the paper, which thankfully that Marvel was smart and did not say what Fantastic Four One's plot line was before this happened. All right. And a lot of people got pissed. This slot slot is a master of A using obscure plot lines and obscure characters to his advantage. Here you had the Yancey Street gang. Alright. And B, like Jeff Johns, he knows to find the right things to tweak in these characters to freshen them up a little bit. And you'll see what he does with Alicia Masters in this. Okay? Uh, Again, for folks out there, if you're a Fantastic Four fan, this has nothing to do with the bullshit politics, and I pardon my language, between Marvel and Fox. Uh, And people that know me know how big a Fantastic Four fan I am, and know I could have gone much, much worse with my language there. But the whole point of this matter is the Fantastic Four is back. And with Pacelli on art, who uh, she was the, one of the creators of Miles Morales, all right? She's got a clean superhero art style, all right? And I don't know if she's going to handle the book fully or if they're going to bring in uh, substitute artists from time to time. But I know with her behind the art thing, you're going to get at least 10 out of the first 12 books or the first two story arcs drawn by her. So you're going to get consistent art. And I have faith in Slot's writing because he writes superheroes like the everyman. You know, like uh, everyday guy. He knows how to bring that out of his superheroes. All right? The one failing I have with Slot is sometimes he doesn't write the villains right. All right, and and when his Spider-Man run, and and what I see from his Iron Man run, some of his villains have voices that are very different. Okay, I gotta see how he handles some of the Fantastic Four villains. Again, being a big Fantastic Four fan, I kind of know their voices by now, so I, I want to see how he handles a Doctor Doom, a Wizard, a Mole Man. But it looks like here in the beginning, he's going to build up to lead to that. He isn't going to just throw it in. Like, he didn't, in the Spider-Man run he had, he didn't just throw Dr. Octopus in. He built that up. He didn't just throw Green Goblin in. He built that up. So, for Fantastic Four fans that don't know Dan Slott, he's essentially Marvel's Jeff Johns, all right? And what he did for on Spidey is essentially what John did with JSA, okay? 
Here is the heroes you know. Here is the future. Here's how we're going to freshen up the villains for today. He did that with Spidey. John's did that with JSA. And now Slot's got a big thing because, because now he's going to have to do it for Fantastic Four. I mean, yo, we've seen guys like Hickman do it and kind of stick the landing, but not. Wade, uh, people that know me know how much I love the Wade uh, Waringo run on, on Fantastic Four. I still think that's one of the best of all time. John Byrne, uh, DeFalco, uh, Simonson, there have been some historic runs on Fantastic Four, and that's a huge hill Dan Slott's got to climb. But for now, welcome back, Fantastic Four. You've been missed. Back to you, Afrener. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be brief, just a couple of things, because, again, I, didn't, I did not read the comic, although I did pick it up. But uh, some of what you hinted at, it, it just goes to show you where we are in today's temperature, today's climate, Daryl, because I just put a link into our chat room from the Washington Post. Let me repeat that. The Washington Post wrote this lengthy expose about the return of the Fantastic Four as a comic book and going into the, the you know, whether or not the Fox merger had anything to do with why this particular group had been off the scene. Again, just to be a bit more succinct for our, for our audience, you know, the Fantastic Four were essentially as a, as a comic book, um, as, a, as a superhero team, they were the, the first of a line of, of Marvel's heroes. Like, the fact that folks that just may just be getting into the stands, I want to bring it a little closer to the closer from the weeds many people now globally are just loving the mcu and technically on the on the cinematic side one could say blade is the seed that caused this thing to happen probably more people would say it's iron man that led things to kind of go in this direction but if you want to be really technical it was wesley snipes portrayal of blade anyway on the and on the print side you had the Fantastic Four coming out in 1961, I believe. And then you had Spider-Man in 62. You had Iron Man in 63. The Hulk in 63. So yeah, oh, 62. So you had a number of these iconic heroes coming in from the Silver Age. And the fa- it starts with the Fantastic Four. And all of these comic book heroes, this is why I, 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 use the, the, I overuse the word deconstruction. Marvel, Marvel's line of superheroes actually were the deconstruction of, deconstruction of the superhero, even beginning with the Fantastic Four, because they were, they were known, they didn't wear a mask, they were adventurers, um, their costumes weren't really that outlandish, their costumes were very utilita- utilitarian. They completely, they, they completely deconstructed what we now know as, as what is what is normal now that we being involved in this whole MCU thing and Marvel comics, we, we, the audience is just accustomed to the, the kind of banter that Tony Stark's Tony Stark's Stark gives off with someone like Bruce Banner and, and the way that uh, star Lord talks to Iron Man and all that kind of stuff. 
it starts with the Fantastic Four with these characters having having their unique personalities. You know, the 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 the, the, the familial familial bantering and bickering between Ben Grimm, aka the Thing, and Johnny Storm, aka the Human Torch, all that starts with the Fantastic Four. So the, the the irony of them having a uh, having a return, and you know, some of it is is allegedly tied to this merger that this might have been some kind of protest thing on the part of the Prince side, wanting Marvel wanting the Fantastic Four to come back home. You know, we I don't want to go so deep into this thing, but folks are full, full, folks are fully aware or should be fully aware that not all these characters were in one co- cohesive unit. In the MCU, and then some of this, some of the stuff is still not cohesive. Most of it, maybe eighty-five, ninety percent now, are cohesively together. But there's a lot of technicalities. You know, Sony's, <laughs> Sony's. Uh, what, what is it? What is that? The acronym, Daryl. I mentioned it last week. They have a new, um, a new acronym for Sony. Sony's Marvel characters, something to that, to that effect. Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Give, give it so, up. I, Just give it up. Yeah. So I, I'm excited. I'm going to definitely read it. Um, check out the link in the chat room. I see that the captain has finally arrived. Uh, captain, if you want to just peer your head out, because I can't. I mean, I could. I could. I can't play your clip, and I could, but we're already 30 minutes into the show, so. If he hopefully has access to the boards. Oh, yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah welcome, definitely. Cap. All right. Power of a hard cool. reset. All right. I'm back at it. Oh, well, I've been there. I've been there. <laughs> we, built, we both been there. We understand. No explanation necessary. All right. All so right. Let's, 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 we're going to go in and out of, of comic book stuff and, and, and sci-fi. You know, you know how Wednesday shows get, how we get down on Wednesday show. And, and again, folks, if you, Need to know, this is the Midweek in Review edition of Afternoon featuring, featuring Captain Kirk, yours truly, Debert, and of course the uncanny Daryl B. 646-915-9620. 646-915-9620. All right, let me, let's get into this Omarosa thing. I'm not going to be on, get on it so, so much, but I, I really was disinterested in the Omarosa story because of who she is, her history, her, as I said at the top of the show, her, her overtly duplicitous nature but I get a call several calls from Captain Kirk's predecessor Mr. Stark aka Mr. Starks pardon me (laughs) he's plural Uh, the real Mr. Starks Stark is singular anyway Mr. Starks aka Iron Man he's calling me saying this thing may turn out differently than what what we're led to believe he's saying that you know this is this is a black woman scorned and all of the stereotyping that goes with that might play itself out with Trump being taken down. He said the personal insults and this woman's book titled Unhinged in such a way that this is exactly how Trump is coming off, that he believes he was pleading with me, telling me, hey, this may not be, you may not want to be so dismissive of Omarosa. And and I'll tell you, I was very much dismissive of this woman. I just feel, and I've said this many times on the show, I just feel that we're we're in a certain place uh, as a public, as people of color specifically, 
I think pain that, that I'm starting, get on code, hashtag get on code. I'll talk about that later. I think that's what we need to be about. I think we need, about, need to be about hashtag get on code while this other stuff is going down. But he's telling me, be careful. This woman's book, the, 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 the idea that she could be called a, quote, dog, unquote, by the president, I mean, even if she's always been the villain, even if you accept this woman of be, as being a villain, does she deserve to be called a dog and the racial overtones like that? So I want to pl- play this clip, a little clip, and then we, you know, because we always want to give out information. Um, and I want to, you know, let the audience come in and, and say their piece. Again, I'm starting to get interested in, in her and what she has to say a little bit. Because I always respect what Mr. Starks has to say. But I was zoning out for a minute because, I, I, you know, I'm, li- I'm looking at her past interviews, past and present interviews. And just like Trump, one interview says one thing, 24, hour late, 24 hours later, it's a completely opposite thing. I mean, I can't hold on to your word. Any of these people, Huckabees, whoever. Anyway, quick clip, and then we will uh, pass the mic around. Hold on. Switching to politics now and President Trump condemning all racism just one day before the anniversary of those deadly clashes in Charlottesville. This amid new tensions with a once trusted White House aide, Omarosa Manigault Newman. She's now accusing the president of, quote, wanting to start a race war. ABC's Tara Palmieri with the president in New Jersey. Tonight, on the eve of the anniversary of the deadly protest in Charlottesville that shocked the nation, President Trump is calling for unity. Tweeting, the riots in Charlottesville a year ago resulted in senseless death and division. We must come together as a nation. I condemn all types of racism and acts of violence. Peace to all Americans. A year ago, the president was heavily criticized for his response to the clashes. We condemn in the strongest possible terms this egregious display of hatred, bigotry, and violence on many sides. On many sides. Taking 48 hours to call out hate groups by name. Racism is evil. And those who cause violence in its name are criminals and thugs, including the KKK, neo-Nazis, white supremacists. Then walking it back. Well, I do think there's blame, yes. I think there's blame on both sides. And tonight, President Trump is responding to accusations of racism made by Omarosa Monagolt Newman, who was fired from the White House late last year. She was asked by TMZ today if the president's attacks on athletes are causing tensions with the black community. He wants to start a race war. Monagolt Newman rose to fame through Trump's reality show, The Apprentice. Omarosa has to go. You're fired. Now she's out with a book, unhinged, on her year as the administration's highest-ranking African-American official. A book the White House says is, quote, riddled with lies and false accusations. According to the Washington Post, which received an advanced copy of the book, she writes the president is, quote, a racist, misogynist, and bigot. The president has called Omarosa a wonderful woman, but today he had a new name for his former friend. Lowlife. She's a lowlife. And Tara Palmieri is in New Jersey with the president. And Tara, this book isn't even out yet, but Omarosa has been called out already for contradicting one of her own claims. 
That's right, Whit. According to the Washington Post, Amarosa writes that there is a tape of the president using the N-word on the set of The Apprentice, but she admits that she's never actually heard it. And then on NPR yesterday, she said that she's actually heard the tape, changing her story. Whit? All right, Sarah Palmieri for us. Thank you. Following the president. Much more on this tomorrow on This Week when Jonathan Carl goes one-on-one -on -one with counselor to the president, Kellyanne Conway, and attorney Michael Avenatti. Hi, everyone. George Stephanopoulos here. Thanks for checking out the ABC News YouTube channel. If you'd like to get more videos, show how... All right. Okay. Um, let me read this quick thing, too. I just put another link. I mean, this is, goes to show you how bizarre this whole situation is, and it really doesn't begin or end with Omarosa Monogot, Monogolt, pardon me, um, a Monogolt Newman, she's, she's a married woman. Um, you know, when I say it doesn't begin or end with her, is that even the, even the people from the Trump administration that are put out there to rebut what she says, even what they say, I see, has, has been rebutted, and there's reversals. Like I have never seen such such so so many extreme examples of mass lying all the way around. Like I, I don't trust anything that Omarosa has to say, and I can't trust the people that come out against her or the president. I mean, I have never seen this many people who can't really, for the life of them keep on to a straight story or be confirmed or, or, or we can't corroborate anything for anybody. I mean, this is, this is the part that's the most frightening thing about this presidency is that it's, it is so rife with people that just aren't consistent in anything. We understand that there's a certain kind of playing with the truth that comes with politics because you're trying to please everybody and you can't really please everyone. We understand, we understand a little bit of that, about that, but that has to be within reason. This is completely bizarro. So I'm going to read this quickly. I'm going to open the lines. I want to, I'm going to hear from the captain. I see that our friend from, from Chi-Town, he wants to say something. He's chomping at the bit. So this is quickly from, this is from foxnews.com. So I, even, even, whatever. <laughs> but this is actually, even though it's from foxnews.com, it's from Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, it says, with Omarosa Monogalt Newman in the news again, thanks to the release of her tell-all book and bizarre behavior, late-night host Jimmy Kimmel is reminiscing about the time she fled the building before a scheduled appearance on his show. In April 2004, Monogalt Newman was set to sit down with Kimmel on Jimmy Kimmel Live. However, before the host had his chance to interview her, she left the studio, he said. Oh, I've been thinking about that a lot lately, Kimmel told the Daily Beast on Tuesday. Manigault Newman stormed off when she saw a lie detector test set up ahead of the show and assumed it was for her, Kimmel told the publication. In fact, it was for another segment. I remember thinking it, it's better this way, Kimmel recalled. I didn't want to have her on the show. The woman, there's clearly something wrong with her. And the fact that Donald Trump hired her is really all you need to know about that guy and his organization. All right. Uh, Captain, what are your thoughts about this this issue? Well, let, let's back up. People say he is, let's start with Mr. Trump, Mr. President Trump. 
they say he is the reality present, but it's really the non-reality leadership that's going on right now. You have the people that's supposed to keep him in line or clean up the mess. They, you don't know if they're left foot or the right foot because they're running around too. The people that's supposed to be better than he is, the professionals, you know, they're, they're of the same cloth. If you go back and you look at reality TV, I always had a problem with it. I said, no one here has any talent. It's cheap to make, and this is what America is into. And this represents America because most of Americans cannot do anything well. So they see themselves within that. Oh, this is me. I can be a star. That's when we started to go down with this foolishness here in America. Because people embody that. Now, that being said, Amorosa also comes from that scenario. So though she's an insider, but an insider for what? She's an insider to move the goalposts. It's whatever it is that day. Who has the better lawyers? Who has the better this? Who has the better that? So it's nice that she has a book and everything else. It's nice that the fact that she's a woman. It's nice to the fact that she's a black. But if you notice, Donald Trump has been very good at thwarting adversaries. You know, he somehow stands up when everyone else goes down. It gets more hectic. It gets more crazy. You know, <clears throat> white women, you know, uh, Mexicans, it, it doesn't matter. You know, he, stand, he somehow is able to dodge these situations. And it's starting to look like that. From my perspective, this might be another dodge because of how Amorosa is looking with the situation. You know, but you never know. Maybe she can be the one to bring him down. Maybe she is the one to Monica Lewinsky without Lewinsky, you know, to this president. Maybe. We cannot discount the power of a woman at any given time when the male messes up and the males think, because they're self-important, that the woman is nothing. You understand? We can't. But in a normal reality, he doesn't make sense and she doesn't make sense. We're not in Kansas anymore. And you will realize that in 10 years. But right now, we're just going, what the F at this given point? Because none of this makes sense. It's a reality TV situation, what's going on. We make up everything as we go, and if it's not right, we shoot it and put it this way. That's what we're doing here, right on the spot. Who is better at moving the goalposts? It's a bunch of foolishness. So from my perspective, in totality, I just have to wait and see how this plays out. I really can't make a prediction on this. Based on what I've seen Donald Trump back down, a lot of the things were a lot stronger at times. He's able to back that down. She definitely is an insider. You never know. There's always a possibility that she could take him down. But at the, but at the same time, her stuff is sketchy. If it, were, if it was a well-heeled situation, you know, I would feel much better with it. Because if you have some really good lawyers, you can make that whole book, even if it's true look like a bunch of feces. That's just how I see see it. So I'm just watching it. I'm not going to make any strong prediction in respect to this whole scenario. Back to you, Afro. Um, I want to bring Daryl in um, in two shakes, but I I do want to mention this quickly, is that uh, I I find myself listening to quite a few men of color and women of color, but so far it's been mostly men of color with their respective platforms that are kind of honing in the way that I, like the way that we, not just me, the way that we oftentimes deconstruct things, the way we oftentimes look at things. So I, I want to shout out, of course, to O'Shea Duke Jackson. Uh, that cat, he's kind of on a humorous, 
humorous side of the game, but he does provide a service. I like what he says, even though he says it very viscerally, and it's, it's not by coincidence that, that I, think he, I think he's a self-described conservative, uh, black conservative. Um, so there's O'Shea Duke Jackson. There's another gentleman by the name of Infinite Wisdom. Infinite Wisdom. And then there's also Uncle Hotep. Now, I mention these cats because um, I like how they go away from the mold. There's kind of a mainstream way, I think, that many black people think, the way that they think, or the way that we're told to think. And when, when many times black folks go left, I'm going to go right. I'm going to tell you honestly. We're not winning as an aggregate. We're not winning. So I don't really get down too tough with mainstream thought. Now, where, now where's Afrin going with this? Uh, the conventional wisdom is that Omarosa is a coon and that she's a, she's a Judas Normally I wouldn't really normally I would not say that about her. I really wouldn't. Okay? It's it's unfortunate that as an attractive educated black woman that she couldn't be more or have more heft beyond the physical. Like if she really was let's say someone like Condoleezza Rice who really is that person you know, you can't really, you can't deter anything. You can't take anything away from someone like that because she's, you know, she's a provost at Stanford. She speaks Russian. She's well, well educated. You just can't, you really can't. I mean, the, the people have tried, but she's just, she's the real deal. You know, there's many women, left and or right women, I say specifically, that are who they say they are. And it's hard to, you, you can't stop them. So I think I'm not going to call her I, I'm not going to call her like a Judas because she doesn't toe the Black Party line because that's because anybody can get that label that's that anybody can get that label I'm not going to go that far to that but she she is not normally she is not to be trusted she's just not that she's just not that bright and only only thing I will say with her is that going back to what uh, what Mr. Starks is saying is that she's, she seems to be able to, to know how to survive. She knows how to survive. She, might, she was in that White House. She has some tapes. We don't know what those tapes are going to say. I'm more inclined to hear what the tapes say versus what she writes. Because, you know, just like her as a person, I, I, can't, I, can't, hold anything to her. I can't hold on to anything she says. Just can't do it. But that whole black woman... And don't really want to cross. I'll, I'll give it up to the sisters. The sisters, on 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 a lot of things, because they're allowed to be that way. <laughs> they're a little tighter than black men. They just are. Even even though I, I don't trust Amarosa, she she was smart enough to say I'm going to take these MFs for my own benefit. She she is she is slick and duplicitous enough. To maybe break that, break down his presidency, only because it's all about you're not going to get me. You're not going to get me, and, and and that's probably why she got along so well with Donald Trump, because they are they are from the same they cut from the same damn cloth. And that's going to be 
and, and, and the only thing is that only way the only thing is I I I might edge out Omarosa over Trump because Omarosa is she's a slick woman, man. That black woman thing. You don't want to argue with black women. You can't you can't argue with black women in, in, in real time. Let alone some woman like this. I May mean, not want to mess with her. I'm just saying. Calling her a dog and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, uh, Daryl, what are your thoughts about this whole debacle? You know what? I have no thoughts regarding her. Because, like I said in the previous segment, I'm cutting all of that bullshit out of my life. But I will leave this to the great Keith Boykin, who went, in Donald Trump's world, Obama is a Kenyan, LeBron James is dumb, Don Lemon is dumb, Maxine Waters has a low IQ, black countries are shitholes, black workers are lazy, Mexicans are rapists, Muslims are terrorists, Indians are fake, Nazis are very fine people, and black athletes are sons of bees. So the fact that Amarosa has a tape that says, oh, oh, he's called us the N-word. And, oh, we have it on tape that, that uh, Trump has, uh, has called her a dog means very little to me. Because everything I said right here has been on CNN, has been on Fox News. So uh, whatever Omarosa has on tape, it's to sell her bloody fucking book. It ain't changing jack. You know, Republicans got the stroke because he's in office. That's, that's all they're concern, concerned about. They got the stroke, he's in office. They got the stroke, he's in office. Who cares how much he shames the office? All right? I ain't giving this woman any license, seeing how she's treated black people before in the past. You know, this, again, like I said with other people, right? This is an OJ situation to me. You knew the scorpion this guy was, but you took the office. I remember a certain guy on this thing cheering it and arguing with me when she took the position. And I went, yeah, she's going to get bitten by him too. She thinks that we're buddy button. No. No. And the fact that he's calling for racial harmony now, did you just hear me go down the list? All of that came from his own mouth. So if you're buying that BS and you're a person of color and you're a black person outside of those past the black pastors united for Trump and 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 the 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 two women podcasters that are on his side, good luck, y'all. Cause he bit her, he'll bite you guys too. And don't come looking to the black community for no help. Because I got a word for y'all. No, not sellout, because sellout would be uh, very easy. Sad. You could see the pattern of behavior by this mother. He's not making any business to hide it, and you're still believing it. Don't give me that CNN don't give me that New York Times. Don't give me Washington Post. Oh, they're all making me look bad. This dude is saying it by himself. You guys could curry and you could, oh, this will be the tape to end it. Remind you that this fool 
the head Cheeto in charge talk about grabbing women by the pussy on Entertainment Tonight, and no one did anything, or was it, or was it extra? Anyway, that's something that both black and white females, homosexuals, they all love looking at that freaking political, that, that uh, excuse me, pop culture, you know, stuff. They all look at that, where all the stars get interviewed. Oh, this is all the great gossip. Da, 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 da. He's on tape saying this on those shows, and they did nothing. So him calling Amoroso a dog? Well, we already know how he feels about freaking black women. Remember, he called black athletes sons of bitches. You got nothing here. This is just to sell her book. To help no community, not to all of a sudden do the right thing. She is selling a book. And if you're a black person and you buy that book, good. You deserve what you get. Back to you, Afro-nerd. Yeah, uh, I would agree with you. I'm not going to buy the book. That's for sure. I'm more concerned about the tapes because the tapes are less, are less, less incontrovertible, you know. And I, I want people to understand what I'm saying. Uh, and I'm going to go to uh, to to Sergio and then I'm going to bring in Q Storm. Um, my issue with with calling people coons. Is that there's a whole there's a, a coons and minstrels, which I use the term the terms quite frequently. Is that there's a whole line of people that we we give passes to that do that are that are equally duplicitous, and we don't say anything. So that's why I'm, I'm going to be fair about her in that sense. But I I'm just observing that I find it interesting that she's so much into self-preservation. Uh. To to. To, to the detriment of her community. Let me repeat that. She is so much into self-preservation to the detriment of her community because it is evident she really cares, doesn't really give, give a damn about, about black people. I may be critical of my people, but they are my people. I still, go into, I still am very tribal in, some, in many ways. She is, is just about herself. And that's Dr. what makes Trump. it interesting. When you, are, uh, when you are about yourself, this is where I think this is this. You just don't want to cross this kind of crazy black woman. I just I just think there's something going on here, and it's not about that book. It's about what she taped. She knew. She probably learned a lot from from Donald Trump. You you hard. You know sometimes you you learn from the master. She taped all these people in their shenanigans, and the minute they you know they thought we're going to just we're just going to get rid of this this negress, she's coming up with something. I find that interesting. She's doing some of that Mr. Glass stuff I tell black people to do. She's doing, a, she's doing a little bit of that Mr. Glass stuff that I tell black people to do. But the difference is you can do that to the benefit of your people versus the benefit of yourself. That's the distinction. If you see, if you see Afro-Nerd do some Mr. Glass stuff, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it, not just for me. But for everybody else, for herself. Anyway, I just want to make that distinction. So I sometimes I have to work this stuff out so the audience understands exactly what I'm saying. All right, let me bring in uh, Cap. Do you, you have your mic? You want to say something? 
We are in a back room. Here's three million dollars. You got something on the tapes. Here you go. If you don't, you're not getting out of this back room. Handled. <laughs> well, see, still, well, you see what I mean? Well, you, what's that yeah. mean? It's still, yeah. it's, it's, it's going back. It's still for her. It's still about her. It ain't yeah. about the brothers and the sisters. That yeah. woman dissed the the black uh, the black uh, what was it um, in D.C. the 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 journalists. The black, I mean, just completely, completely different. This woman was supposed to be some kind of black outreach person. I mean, that's a phony position to begin with. She never, she never gave any kind. Look, I could definitely see being a conservative. I'm, I'm hanging on by a, by a string. I know, I know, uh, I know. Houston likes to hear that. I'm hanging on by a string, okay. But uh, you better believe if I was, if I was in, I wouldn't be in that position under uh, Trump. But under some other normal presidency, I think you could use a conservative to bring in black folks, bring in business, actually develop a conservative way to help black people. That would take away some of the st- some of some of that stuff going on with with the, with the the Democrats. But this is this is a Nazi. This is a Nazi. Nazis don't do that. <laughs> okay, so and she's willing to work for a Nazi. That's another thing. She's willing to work with all this, this, this feigning about, oh, he's a racist. You know what? He was racist up until the point that check was, was stopped for you. Anyway, see, now I'm getting emotional <laughs> to uh, Chi-Town's favorite, Sergio Min. Sergio. Yeah, hello, everyone. I hey. um, don't disagree with what everybody said. You said more or less what I was going to say. Basically, the fact is, you know, she's always she always has been out for herself. Uh, everybody knew that. She made no secret of that. I mean, she came to fame, being, pardon my language, but she came to fame being the evil black bitch who was sabotaging other black people's efforts and other people on, you know, the uh, what's that show called, The Apprentice. Um. And the thing also is that, and don't forget, I don't know if people know this, she was originally a hardcore Hillary Clinton supporter during the election. And she approached them about working for the campaign, and the Hillary campaign, one of the few smart decisions they made, said, no thanks, uh, we don't need you. And then she turned her attention to Trump, since she already had a connection with him. Now, I will say this. Um, I've never liked her, but she knows how to play an audience, and she knows how to get sympathy. I don't know how you, I don't know if anybody, any of you saw her last night on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, but, um, she came on the show wearing a dress so tight, looked like it was sprayed on, and look (laughs) look at Trevor Noah's. When she sits down in the chair, follow his eyes, because he's eyeballing her. And I was telling that to a friend of mine. I was telling her, she, you know, a dress, and a friend of mine who's a woman said, well, Sergio, you got to be careful. She knows how to play, particularly men, because she's trying to seduce you. And I said, well, it might have worked. So, um, but the thing about it is this. Like Michael Evanati, she's a street fighter, okay? 
we you know her background if you don't know she came from this very poor family young in Ohio her father was beaten up beaten to death on the street uh when she was a killed? kid her, her house brother was burned. killed yeah her, her brother, brother was killed, killed. he got yeah, her brother. But you know how her brother got killed because he was having an affair with a married woman, and the husband came That's in and cool. found them in bed together. Right. Okay. And then she was uh, her when she was a kid, her house burned down, killing uh, a nef- uh, niece of hers. Uh, you know, she was she had been married before. Remember, her last name was Stallworth, and then she got divorced, and then she was engaged to that actor Michael Clark Duncan. Who right. you know died, died of a heart attack no. while he, while he was in bed with her. Thing about it, don't oh, I didn't know that part. <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't know that. And, and was so, that true? Yes. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. He he died in, in bed when he, well he had a heart attack when he was in bed with her, and then she oh, married God. this preacher now Newman, right? But she's a street fighter, right? And, and I I'm guarantee you, probably when she's in high school or maybe in college, I guarantee you all the black boys turned her down to date all the light skinned mixed chicks, you know. So you know she wants to get even. She's a fighter. Now it would be terribly ironic if this is the woman who brings Trump down. And you mentioned something. Where is um, Condoleezza Rice? Why has she not spoken out? There are other Republicans who have association with Reagan, or I'm sorry, not Reagan, I mean with Bush, or with the Republican Party, who are clearly speaking of uh, Steve Schmidt, who ran McCain's campaign. He has left the Republican Party. He is are beautifully has constantly speaking out in some of the most elegant words you ever heard about uh, uh, Trump. Uh, you have Max Boot, uh, the uh, foreign policy expert, who also has left the Republican Party and has spoken out against Trump. Where is um, where, where's Condoleezza Rice? You would think that someone like her, instead of you know, Amarosa would be speaking out about Trump. She's silent. She's up in the ivory towers in Stanford or wherever she is, keeping quiet. I, I'm amazed at that. And to me, it's like, to me, that's an embarrassment. And that's a mark against her. That's a serious mark against her, that she, of all people, has not been speaking out against Trump. Well, let me say something. I, I've I've heard uh, uh, some interviews with Condoleezza Rice, and she said some mild things. But she really, I said, I will agree. Things. My, she hasn't really dipped her toe hard, hard body karate and this type of stuff. Uh, again, she's a, she's an educator. Not that she can't speak, but I think what's really going down is that some of these folks don't want to really mix it up with this crew. With this crew, I think that uh, many of the folks that Trump has aligned himself with are just cut are just they are, they are duplicates they are acolytes to this kind of behavior okay uh so you you see clearly you see clearly these people are just like trump they they're taping the attorneys are taping things they they they're not to be trusted they're just a bunch of crooks they he brought in his own cronies and i don't think if i if i were a, a Condoleezza rice i would lay low in the cut and let the smoke clear, so I could actually figure out a way to craft a way to get a craft a way to get back in. Because I don't know if you want to dip your toe into that this this monstrosity, and then you get connected to something, 
and then you you know you don't want to be involved in that. You want to make sure people see you as not really being connected because you know he he's, he's he could potentially drag down the, the the Republican brand. So if he does that, I mean, how close well, are you to that already? To that? Well, that's true. But you saw Paul Ryan left. These people don't necessarily. Oh, want he to be can't on. wait they, to they get out. Well, when these people, when when the, when the house of cards falls down, you don't want to be underneath those cards. I'm just thinking, like, if you're a political creature, you, you're going to think that way. Well, the two other things too is that now, really, these tapes have to come out. You know, she claims she's heard them. These tapes now have to come out, or else she'll just be forgotten about by next week. These tapes have to come out. Number two, I'm really interested in Pendulet. Pendulet, as you know from Penn and Teller, he also right. at one time had been on the cast of Celebrity Apprentice, and he right. has said in interviews that he has heard Donald Trump making all kind of racial slurs and negative comments. Um, he didn't say that they were taped, but he was in person when he heard him say these things. Uh, I believe more him than kind of, I'm sorry, Condoleezza, I'm sorry, than Omarosa. So, um, you know, Omarosa, okay, you laid down the gauntlet, now you're going to have to produce. we got to hear these tapes. Even the White House yesterday, you saw that press conference, when Sarah Sanders was asked, you know, yeah. can you guarantee she there are no tapes? She said, I can't guarantee anything. She doesn't be calling that mess, right? And by the way, you know, everybody comes down on Sarah Sanders. Look, her job is to is to say what the president said. You know, people kept saying she's lying. Well, if the president's lying, she's got to lie, too. That's her job. You All know? right. But even but even she Sergio. could not back that up I when they were asked about the tape yesterday. Yes? Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, go uh, ahead, Daryl. and then I want to bring in, I want to bring in um, Q-Storm. Go ahead, Daryl. Okay. I just gave you a whole list of stuff he said on tape about yeah. other races, okay? Yeah. This tape doesn't mean nothing. It ain't going to mean nothing. It is going to mean jack. You guys want to hear this tape. Oh, he did it. We already know who this fool is. I don't need to hear anything out of her mouth. I don't need to hear anything out of Pendulette. I love his magician stuff. I don't need to hear anything from him. I don't need to hear anything from Sarah Sanders. Because I already know who this fool is. You guys want this verification? We already bloody got the verification. We got the verification last week. When LeBron opens up a school and he still calls him a dumb athlete. Get the fuck out of here. Don't need no verification. Okay, but here's the thing. Two things. Number one, you're absolutely right. Suppose this tape did come out where he, he, you know, he used these words. The people who support him are still going to support him. True. And people have made that. Charles Blow has said that. Other people have said that. And I agree with that. True. But here's the thing, right? Okay, go with me here for a minute, all right? The, the people, all those previous stuff, and I've been seeing them on television, they, their excuse was always that, well, that wasn't racial. You know, well, okay, he called her a dog, but he calls a lot of people dogs, too, not just women. Yes, he called these black athletes stupid, but he's also called white people stupid. 
that's always their excuse. Their excuse is always the fact that, well, I can parse this to say that, well, he's the equal opportunity offender. However, if a tape comes out where he actually uses racial slurs against black people, uses the N-word, they, there's no way they can spin that. Oh, he I'm not even concerned about that. He athletes sons of bitches, which means yeah, he but they, but no, you didn't listen to me. You, you, but they can say, okay, it, it, what, to them, okay, I'm talking about his supporters, not us. I'm not talking about people who hate us. I'm not talking about the anti-Trump people. I'm not talking about us. But the people who still support him say he didn't. He just called him son of a bitches. That's not a racial term. That's how they spin okay, it. That- let me bring in. Let me bring in. Q, let me bring in Q Storm respectfully. You bring okay. in Q Storm, there, uh, and also let me, let me disclose there may be a tape of Afrinord actually using the N word. Anyway, let's go to uh, four eight four. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> let's go to Q Storm. There might be a tape, so be, be leery. You know what? I don't. I don't care if if uh, Donald Trump uses the N word. I'm looking for something that will that, that that's far more. Black folks have already. They pretend like they're insulted when a white person calls them an N-word. You, you got it all over records. You got you got Takashi Six Nine, who's Mexican, using the N-word. You don't care, all right? So that's, that's not that's not pretend. You know that's already. I'm I'm with Daryl on that one. That cat's out the well, bag. Well, well, you know I, that's what the editor of Breitbart said today. Hold on, hold on. What I'm saying is, I want I want Q's on to speak. I don't care about what he said. I, I'm caring about what will take down the presidency. The the N-word is not going to do it. It's not. I'd be shocked if you didn't use the N-word. Anyway, Q-Storm, my friend, what's up? Yeah, um, I, I was waiting to uh, – I, I dialed in after uh, Daryl finished his first rant because I was 100% behind him. And I've been on Facebook. I said this on Facebook. You, you remember the, uh, the Saturday after – so I guess it would have been 2015 when Trump – no, 2015 when Trump – uh won the election, right? And Saturday That's Night 20- Live, that Saturday afterwards, they um That's 2016. 2016. 2016, okay. <clears throat> uh yes, 2016. They they had Dave Chappelle as the guest host. And the first mm-hmm. sketch was Dave Chappelle and Keenan Thompson, I think his name is, uh at their oh. white friend's house watching the return. No, that's No, that was Chris Rock. Chris oh, yes, Rock. yes, yes, you're right. It was Chris Rock. Yes, it was Chris Rock. Yes. Um, and all the white folks were like, oh, my God. Well, he's not going to take Florida. Oh, my God, he took Florida. Well, he's not going to take. Oh, my God, he took that. He's, and Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock are like, yeah. And that sketch is basically what Daryl was just saying. Why are we, why are we um, holding up, you know, holding onto the edge of the cliff with our fingernails? Wondering if there's a tape where he said the N word. We already know that that he he's a racist. So why uh, why is this going to be the litmus test uh, as to whether or not he's a racist? Now, if you want to make the argument that well, this is going to bring him down, okay, maybe I don't think it will. But I just get a sense that people are like, oh, did he say the N word? Did he say the N-? and maybe it's the it's the media that's that's doing that that. They're more interested in the salaciousness of it, perhaps, and that's what I'm feeding off of. But I just don't—I don't know why we're holding ourselves with bated breath 
to see if it's at the end work because we all know he he probably uses it regularly. Exactly. <laughs> he said he said a woman's body part grabbed them on American Gossip TV. All those housewives, all of those homosexuals. All of those, uh, oh, oh, uh, social media things, they can't live without their Today Show. They can't live without Entertainment Tonight. He said, grab them, buy this, and they still elected them. So nothing, nothing he says what this tape is going to do, Jack. Real talk. Well, look. Uh, I'm not. I think Daryl has pretty much said, my, given his sentiments and my sentiments. Uh, my thing is, I'm curious about anything else. There's a whole bunch of stuff that this woman allegedly taped, and the N word is not my concern. It just isn't. And I and I think, unfortunately for us, maybe 30 years ago, the N word would have been the third rail to, to to actually dismantle certain things. But you know, you you you, ha- you have. Uh, you have the millennials that are negotiating that N-word a lot. You know, all this, the G-E-R, G-A, and, you know, right, you, know exactly. uh, you know, a Mexican, a Mexican, a Mexican let me tell you how, how crazy it is. Uh, and I maybe, hey, I'm, I can even, I can accept some of this. Stuff. I'd say it, it is, it is a little bit like this. I, I will even say, I, I, even I kind of agree with these rules somewhat. But I mean, first of all, I, I'm not, I, many black people have a problem with white people exclusively using that word. White people, other ethnic groups, it's hit or miss. As long as they're not white. Now Takashi Six Nine has free reign to use that word because he's a Mexican who was raised in the hood from the East Coast. But a Mexican on the West Coast doesn't really have that kind of latitude. Now isn't that amazing? I mean, exact. I mean, I'm told, I'm saying this in real time. That's that, that's like this rule. We pick and choose. Uh, Fat Joe, who clearly is a, a is a N in my book, okay, and in uh, Reverend Sharpton's book, there's a story. There's a reason why I, I mentioned Reverend Sharpton and Fat Joe in the same sentence. Fat Joe uses the N word like everybody else because he's from the Bronx. He's down, okay. His he talked about this and he thought, excuse me. I don't know what he says. I don't know what to say. I'm in the projects with my, with, with brothers. I'm Puerto Rican. That's that's he, that's what he's going he's going to tell you that. No one's arguing about that. Okay. Uh, when when he, he said I, he said I shouldn't say this in an interview. I think it was I think it was on TJ Holmes show. Matter of fact, when TJ TJ Holmes had that short lived BET uh, talk show, he was interviewed and he says, "Oh, I don't know if I should say this, but I uh, I I had a, I got a pound a pound from Reverend Sharpton." And Reverend Sharpton said, what's up, my nigga? That's what Reverend Sharpton said behind the scenes to Fat Joe. Now, this is a reverend, by the way, in quotes. So we, we, we're going to pretend like we're affected by this orange man who reciting it behind the scenes. He's a Nazi. That's what Nazis speak that way. I don't care. I, I, I care more about what is he going to say about the Russians, what is he? What is he going to say about any kind of monies that were exchanged? What is he going to say about the oligarchs? Maybe there's a P tape. I don't know. But the N word is very low on my list, as far as being shocked. We know this is a racist. Black folks got to get off of that. This is this is where we are. You had racists that were comfortable enough to march 
on the White House lawn practically last week. You think that you think that he's he's a racist with that kind of comfort level? Come on now, come on, black folks. Hashtag get on code. Hashtag get on code. I'm just saying. All right, I'm I'm done with uh, Omarosa. I'm not gonna buy that book. I just don't care. I think even the uh, uh, Mr. Stark said he's probably gonna download it for free. <laughs> That's what he said to me behind the scenes. No one's uh, no one's you know. I'm not doing that. I got I I would feel that uh, a J.K. Rowling book is more truthful than Unhinged by Omarosa. I said it. All right, let's go. Let's go to a quick musical break. Quick, quick, quick. I'm going to keep the the mic still open. I want to talk about. Uh, you know what? Actually, I want to raise the roof, raise raise the, the the frequency a little bit. I actually want to talk about uh, this movie that intrigues me quite a bit. That I believe hit the the internet, the cyber webs yesterday with uh, Maharash. Mar, why can't I pronounce his name? Maharshala Ali and Viggo Mortensen. Green Book. The green, green Book, just simply, not the, but Green Book, that trailer. So we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Quick gr- break, and we'll talk about uh, Mr. Ali. This is Lindstrom featuring Ronica, Didn't Know Better. Quick two minutes, we're going to talk about Green Book.
Okay, we're black, <laughs> live and direct. That was Lindstrom featuring Ronica. Didn't know better, didn't know better. Okay, and I got to pronounce this gentleman's name. I get it right and wrong. Mahershala, Mahershala Ali, Mahershala Ali, Vito Mort- Mortensen, and this Green Book trailer. I'm going to bring back Sergio, bring back the whole gang. I think the captain dropped off somewhere. Um, let's, okay, he's back. Let me go to, um, actually, to, to Sergio. Serge, did you get a chance to check out this trailer, and what do you know about yeah, this, I did. this movie? Yeah, I did. Yeah. This, well, the weird thing is that the movie really should be about Ali's character because it's based on a real person, uh, a real story. Yeah, Don Shirley. Don Shirley. And Don right. Shirley was a musical prodigy. He was a genius. He... Um, Studied writing music at a very young age. He actually studied in Leningrad in Russia. Uh, He was a composer. Uh, He wrote several symphonies that were performed by the Chicago Symphony and the Philadelphia Philadelphia, um, Orchestra. Uh, He even performed at La Scala at Milan. This guy was a prodigy. He was, and then for a while he left music and he became a psychologist mm-hmm. uh, based in Chicago. And then he went back into music about the 1950s. I, I should say he also to- that he also was a pianist. And he, I've, I've read about this guy's life. Uh, he, he performed at a very early age, as a teenager. He was performing with symphony orchestras. Uh, as a pianist in, in concertos. And then, like I said, in the 1950s, he went back into music. He became uh, a performer and a composer. Uh, he had several hit records. Uh, he passed away not that long ago, actually. 2013. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, not that long ago, a few years ago. But this guy was a musical prodigy. And, you know, this movie deals with this. If you've seen the trailer, it just deals when he does this tour through the South. Uh, with Viggo Morganson. Um But that's, you know, that's only a small, tiny fraction of this guy's life. And in a way, I wish the movie was about his life. You know, just not this one incident when he did this sudden tour through the South. I, I'd never heard about this tour. I, I'm sure he, he probably did it. But this was a guy who was a classical musician and also a jazz musician. And um, someone who's not today not really well known, but in his day, he was very esteemed and very well known. So there you go, folks. I mean, they take a minor incident in his life and make it into the thing. I, I hope that with this movie, people will explore more about Don Shirley and his music and his recordings. Yeah, um, let me go to... Oh, by the way, let me say that Ali is also much taller than Shirley was in real life. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you said your piece on this because, um, you know, like you said, Don Shirley, is he, he, as a a person, as a historical figure, he's extremely impressive. Like you saw in the trailer that, you know, uh, the driver that Vito was portraying, Believes yeah. him to be a medical doctor, a medical doctor, but he's a doctor of letters. But he has a number of he had a number of doctorates, uh, 
you know, one was in, I think, liturgical arts or something, um, psychiatry or psychology. I mean, he, he, yeah, he, he was, was an extremely, extremely well-versed, learned man, a multilinguist, fluently. I mean, this yes, guy... He, 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 was he so spoke much. several languages, and also he was Jamaican. He was born in Jamaica. I should add that. Well, you know, yeah, it, it's important that we that we kind of, um, you know, he's a doctor of music. You know, I mean, listen, this guy was this he was he was a uh, was a, a, a polymath or a uh, yeah, he was a genius. <laughs> he's a genius. I mean, well, yeah, he's a genius. You had that many doctorates, uh, Phi Beta Phi Beta Kappa from the University of, University of Chicago. I mean, this guy was. I mean, this is somebody we should be knowing anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, I, and like you said, I, I would I would want to hear uh, maybe some kind of documentary so we can get more of a full fleshing fleshing out of Mr. Shirley. But um, yeah, you know the fact that you know listen, I, he, he was kind of um, all over the map musically, but you know jazz was was there. He was highly into experimentation, but uh, his work with um, and like you said, playing piano with Duke Ellington. I mean that, that that's some major stuff there that we should we should really know about this gentleman and he's also uh, Captain Kirk's countryman so I'm pretty sure he's pl- proud to uh, hear, hear that. So and anyway. also I should add in terms of movies, I should add, uh, and I, I think it's premiering at Sundance in January. Um, Stanley Nelson, the, the black documentary filmmaker who you know has done previous documentaries as Vanguards of the Revolution. His documentary about the Black Panthers. Uh, two years ago, he came out to tell us, tell him that we're rising about the history of HBCUs. Well, his new documentary, and I think this is the first one ever, is going to be about Miles Davis, the mm-hmm. life and career of Miles Davis, and that's a major. That's that's got to be a major film. Well, major I guess this picture. is post. I guess this is post Don Cheadle's effort, right? I mean, Don Cheadle—it wasn't meant to be a documentary. But well, yeah, a documentary I, takes years to make, right? So he's been working on this for several years. I mean, when you're a documentary filmmaker, you work on several projects over years, not just one film at a time. But from what I understand, it is completed, almost just completed, and I know it is coming out next year. It will be shown eventually on American Masters on PBS, but it will have a theatrical release, and almost surely it will premiere, as all his previous films have, will premiere at Sundance. But I'm dying to see it. There has never been, to my knowledge, a documentary about Miles Davis. Captain, and um, Captain, what are you, Captain, what are your thoughts about? Because um, you sent this to me about Green Book. Well, it seems it seems like this probably was needs to be get it fleshed out some more. Eight episodes on Netflix. That's probably where it needs to be. Well, you have made a point. Yeah, to get it fleshed out because he's had this rather interesting and very top-notch zenith life. You, you got to flesh it out some more. If they if that's where they're going. With one little segment in this trailer, that's you know a total understatement in respect to his life. You know how these things are. You can't spend seven hours and make a movie like that. No one will watch it. You got to condense everything, you know, and flip through the pages real quickly. That's probably the way you need to go. But from that standpoint, 
aside, based on the trailer, I find it rather interested, interesting, and I'm looking forward to see it. I'll take my time out. That might be Affleur. That might be um, was that the Draft House in Brooklyn? That oh might yeah, be worthy definitely. of that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that might be worthy of that. That's the that's the type of movie you go there and watch. You know, so you don't need an IMAX yeah, situation it? with that. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's 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 uh, funny you thought about that. That and it's going to come out November twenty first, so uh, that that's something I'm going to yeah. be definitely checking out for. And um, you know, I also sent a tweet to Nat Gertler. Shout out to Nat Gertler. We had him on a show as a guest because Nat Gertler is a comic book writer, but he also was responsible for reprinting the Green Book. And that's another thing that's kind of tangential to the the the, the trailer. I mean, there's a lot of things going on here, potentially. I mean, again, I think that, you know, Mr. Shirley's life is far more interesting than this, this little, little slice of life thing. This is Hollywood working its way. You know what I mean? Whatever it takes, okay? Whatever it takes. But just, just the title, Green Book, references the Green Book that Nat Gertler reprinted and what we, dis- what we discussed on the show about during the uh, segregation, you know, Jim Crow part of of America where black folks weren't allowed services in white establishments if you're traveling in the south especially during this time in the 50s and the 60s you had to know where you were where you could do business as a black person so that's where that infamous green book came in came into the the, the black travelers guide so that's one of the reasons why it's even called the green book and we had Nat Gertler you can definitely go to our audience you can definitely go into the archives and simply input Green Book Afro Nerd uh, Nat Gertler interview, and that was one of that's an interview I'm extremely proud about because you know uh, this movie references that. All right, um, I just put hey. I'll bring Sergio back in a minute. Let me let me speak to the to the to the uncanny and go around the mic. Um, was that uncanny or was that uh, Q Storm? Q, it was Q Storm. Q, what did you want to say about Green? I was listening to you, and I saw something briefly about this. I thought it—I thought they had a picture of Viggo Mortensen on it, and I was so I, I wasn't interested. But okay, to listen to you guys talk about it, uh, I'm interested in this. Now, this Green Book is, did that did that make an appearance in either um, 42 or uh, the movie? What was the movie that uh, T'Challa was in? I can't think of his name. Chadwick Boseman, where he played. Um, well, that well, that was 42. The Judge. No, no. Uh, oh, he oh, played. Um, Marshall. Marshall. Didn't it play? Didn't that? Didn't they mention, make a mention of that Green Book? Because when you said that, that's what it was. I was like, oh, I remember seeing that somewhere before. Yeah. In another movie. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it was in Marshall. Marshall. Okay. You saw it, and you know what? You saw it in Marshall, and it was alluded to in Forty Two, because okay. uh, uh, like 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 uh, Afrinerd said, Green Book was essentially. Your your safety guide if you were African American traveling in the South. These are the places you could stay. Avoid these places. Avoid these towns. Just it was. Let's put it this way: you are more likely to get through the South alive with a Green Book than without it. Let's put it that way. Back see, there. See, see, see. Hey, listen, black folks were in spaceships. Back then, this is basically the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy uh, in the pre-Civil Rights era. 
Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with you on that. Yeah, definitely, Q, if you can, check out that trailer because you, you might even liken it. This may be a poor comparison, but you might even liken it to a reverse Driving Miss Daisy. Reverse Driving Miss Daisy. Because you have this, this exceptionally uh, gifted and uh, high-intellect, high-frequency black person as portrayed by Mahershala. Vito plays this kind of uh, Italian, you know, kind of roguish. Kind, no, I can't even say roguish. Kind of a kind of a bumble, bumbleston kind of person, bumbling person. But he's he's there really to be the muscle. He's the muscle to ensure this gentleman's safety while he's touring down south. And you have a white man. The dynamic is you have a white man that's being educated by a, by a well-heeled black person on diction, on writing, on, on a piano. I mean, like, just, just, this guy has like four or five doctorate degrees. So you can imagine it, what that meant in the 60s. So you, have, so you have a friendship between a black person and a white person. The white person has to physically uh, defend the black person while he's – so the whole dynamic is pretty interesting and in that he is the driver. And he's constantly telling the guy not to litter. Like it, it, for me, it's respectability politics on steroids. That well-heeled, upright, tall, speaking with, with great elocution black person. So you know that's an Afro-Nerd movie. Hey, now, D- the Nas not, might not like the movie. Go ahead. Go ahead. <clears throat> Let me ask you a question, and, and it's, not, uh, uh, it's a question that has to do with movies, but not about this particular movie. So, you, yes, I mean, we don't have to field it. But I just want to ask you, um, I heard a report, I think it was on the Prince podcast, that since we're talking about movies – that Elizabeth Banks is trying to produce and star <clears throat> in a movie about Prince during the Under the Cherry Moon promotion where he, uh, the promotion was someone would spend uh, a date with Prince and a woman in Montana or someplace in Montana won it and that she's going to produce it. I was curious what your thoughts are about that. Well, I mean, here we go again. Um, I, first of all, that that it was, that MTV special, the young lady from Wyoming. Um, Wyoming, right? I mean, I mean, it was like, I mean, look, it was a, it was a big to do back then because you know Prince was just it was right after Purple Rain. It was you know it was a year after or two years after Purple Rain. He was still at the height of his, of his powers. It was kind of a weird. Thing because you know Wyoming was very white, and here comes Prince and his crew, very black, very funky, um, and it, it was like an awkward place for him to, to to perform. His father was there. John L. Nelson was cutting up, saying like, "Oh, you know that he got everything from me." You know, I mean, it was I mean, you know, it was it was it was pretty. So I mean, I, I don't know how you're gonna make a movie out of that, but yeah, um, I mean, again, there's a lot of stories. That that um, see once again, Q. This is troubling. Once again, this is kind of what. what, what well, let me bring back Sergio for this. This is the same thing. This is where a white person is the center of like black greatness, and it's going to be the white person's story. Who gives uh what? I wish I could. I wish it was. This is what I'm going to be like. Q storm. We do. We really do need that afternoon at the dark, because you know, so just a young lady. That won this this ticket to be like his date for this Wyoming, you know, movie premiere. 
I mean, it's, it's nothing. Like, it's like a nothing thing. Are they going to make a movie out of that? Wait a minute. What are you I'm talking about? Like, I don't know this thing. I, I don't, what are you talking about? All right, I'll, I'll make it really clear. In 1986, the second movie that Prince made was Under the Cherry Moon. Black and white, right. made in France. He, he, he yeah, directed right. it. Yeah, sure. I, I, he, yeah, he fired it, fired the director. He became the director. Really wasn't a good move. But for Prince right. fanatics like myself, I, we love that film, all right, even though it, it's just not a good film. We love it. But uh, part of the promotion of that film dealt with this whole setup of like a mini MTV concert where Prince performs in, this, in Wyoming, which is like a very white place, with, with, you know, with, with his entourage, he and his entourage, and that whole, that whole juxtaposition of like this black band or mostly black band, uh, doing funk music before, in the middle of Wyoming, it, it just was the kind of, you know, John L. Nelson was still alive. That was his father. His father was cutting up, acting on the pimp side of the game. It was kind of, it was just kind of a weird story where, the, you know, one of the, the promotions was this woman won, uh, won a chance to be a date with Prince. Everybody, we've seen this a thousand times before, get a date for Elvis, get a date for Michael Jackson. So he got a date with Prince. And it was like, I mean, it's not, to me, it was like, it's, hey, it was cool, but it's not a, a movie cool. <laughs> I mean, it's like a 30-minute special on, uh, from MTV. End of story. My, my question is, what is Elizabeth Banks? Who is she? How is she qualified to do a story about Prince? And, and we realize that Prince is not a, they're not casting him on to play Prince. He's, he's in the periphery. So I'm like, well, why is she, who is she to? To tell the story because Elizabeth Banks has become a very, very successful director. She did those. Um, gosh, what's the name of those movies? They did three of them already about a choir. Um, oh damn! What are the name oh, of those movies? Pitch Perfect. Pitch Perfect. She has. To, you know how much money those movies have made? Hundreds of millions. I don't deny that she might be a good director. I I don't deny that. I didn't know if she was a director. Maybe she is a great one. Ava DuVernay is a great director. Wait, wait, wait. Ava DuVernay is a great director, but none of us wanted her on Black Panther. My point is, whether she's a great director or not, who is she to direct a story involving Prince? That's my question. How how does she have any relationship with Look, look, okay. You, that film we're talking about, Green Book. You know who directed that movie? Oh, that's who directed Farley, the movie right? was Peter Farley, Farley from the Farley right. Brothers. The guy who did the guys who did there's something about Mary and me, myself, and Irene and Kingpin. They do these R-rated, you know, uh, gross-out comedies. But Peter Farley is directing Green Book. You know, look. You may not like it, but the point of the fact is that it, if somebody has a property, they can go out and make it. You know, I mean, you can't complain, but why is a white person making that movie? Or why is she making this film? It's because she brought the property, or she developed the property to make the movie. You know, I haven't read the script for the Prince movie. It may be pretty good. Huh? We don't know. She's but not writing the matter it, is, is that. Say what? She's not writing it, is she? I don't know. I I never heard this project before. Right, script, I I'm, I'm saying it. It, it could be a great script, but she's no, directing she, it. That's what I'm saying. What does she, she know about Prince? 
Yeah, she's starring but the, the, the point. Pro- she's starring and she's producing in it. Well, she's got to be starring as the kid's mother, I guess. The girl's mother. Yeah, I would think so, yeah. Well, yeah, it's, a, it's, you know it's what? a weird I mean, marriage. But, right, it's her project. You know, sorry, Ava DuVernay wasn't didn't doing that. She's right now doing that uh, Central Park Five movie. That's what she's doing. You know, once again, you know, I, I go back to the idea that black people have to expand out of the box. Hey, D. Bird, you have hold to on, hold, expand out of the box. Hold, hold, on, hold, on, the... hold on, sir. Go ahead, go ahead, Q. I'm gonna bring in um, Bison, but go ahead. <laughs> This is going to be the same effery that we saw when uh, Joseph Fines was going to play Michael Jackson. What was that, two years ago? That oh, is going to be the same effery. <laughs> well, I, I don't think she's going to pull that. I don't think she's going to pull that. that, that I don't I mean, know that. that I don't know be, about that. That would be a mess. That would be a mess. You, didn't, you didn't know about that, Cap? It, no, no, not that we, movie. We talk about not it. that movie. But not the movie. I knew about that movie. But I'm th- saying that this is just, it seems like Prince is not really the main protagonist with this. This is something exactly. that you need to, to, bolster, to bolster up your, you know, <laughs> this, this is what, gonna you, be the what bl- you have to offer. Yeah, this is going to you know? be a version of the Detroit Rock City where it's all about these kids trying to get into and see a Kiss concert. It's all yep, about the kids, that I remember. not kids. <laughs> That's what this is going to be. It's going to be uh, with uh, uh, Elizabeth Banks. It's going to be all about her and her dreams and how she can use the date with Prince to get it up. This isn't going to be the Prince documentary that you all think it's going to be. Let me bring Marcia, in Bison. Put y'all I think one. Put y'all one in, man. Y'all sound like a bunch Go of goddamn <laughs> Here it comes. Hi, Bison. Hey, 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 D-Bird, please, Under the Cherry Moon was crap. I won't watch that today. Yeah, it was. He's right. Fine, He's right. <laughs> I took a fine woman to see that movie. Man, I had everything set up, man. I was, I saw that, man. I shot my shot. And that old girl almost walked out the movie. And Graffiti Bridge was worse. <laughs> I want to talk about that. And you, if you try to defend that garbage, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna shut you down. And this is from somebody who saw Prince in 1980 when he opened for Rick James. So oh, damn. even I can't, even I can't say I that. There. I saw him. I saw Prince open for Rick James. I saw him in '81. I saw him in '83. I saw him in '84. But that's not neither here nor there. I do want to say something about this. This is something me and Steve, the film Green Book. Ebert, you remember Isaac Hampton? Every week, somebody was coming to speak, a black person who had all those experiences, and that was the norm. That was the norm for us at HBCU. That wasn't some outlier experience that, you know, you know, oh, this is something special. That was every day. I don't know why they make – I mean, this guy was extremely talented. I'm not taking anything away from him. And I, I'm glad his story is going to be told in some kind of way. But I'm sort of getting tired of, like, if a black person doesn't do hip-hop or something else, he's like, you know, a freak of nature. I don't like that. Let's just present him or, you know, as a 
a talented human being whose story needs to be told. Now, something tells me, something tells me, because I'm a black man over the age of 50 in America, that at the end of the day, this film is going to be is going to end at the same old same old that we always seen. But I'm gonna hold out hope for that. But these films well, have a look. way of cutting black men at the nutsack at the end of the at the end of the movie. I hope I'm wrong. I hope well, I'm look, wrong. Bison, well, Bison, look. You know how I get down. I, I say this stuff, and then people try to smack me around. See, I can't think this way. So, like that whole masculine energy that I talk about. I'm hallucinating when people, uh, uh, captains around me. I'm like I'm sitting around, sitting around befuddled that people act like we don't know what we're talking about. So what you say is correct. You know, I mean, even with this Prince story, it's going to be less about Prince and more about this white woman. You know, this, this is a white woman's fantasy versus like what was this? You know, what was it like really with Prince at his height? Like that's that's the story I'm more interested in. But they they're using him. Like like how 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 they've used other people of color kind of as like a as a backdrop for the white woman story. It's the white woman story. Well, you know, it's Cinderella. Well, you know with this Deeper, he wasn't even he was still at the morgue, and the people were using power drills to open up his um his vault to get well, what was inside. True. I mean he wasn't even he that's wasn't true. even buried yet before the wolves were starting to dig in. So. The state, whoever that is, because I don't know if that's the children or whoever. For what I'm seeing, they selling to the highest bidder everything. So be prepared. And, it, and even you know, then, and even and even then, even even let's say they're going to do this story. Even if they're going to do this story, this is where I, this is where I might want to see an Ava DuVernay mix it up in this. And I don't want to make it like gender specific like that, but I would want to see some blackness involved in this versus this white Cinderella story. Matter of fact, I use the term Cinderella, and as I look at this deadline, I put the deadline article, the link to the deadline article in the chat room, and guess what? Cinderella is in the, it it is mentioned Cinderella. Cinderella, I just put it out there, and and it's even in in a damn article. It says the movie is inspired by an article, hold on, the movie is inspired by an article about the Cinderella story date, but the movie will be about how the event changed the lives of two very different women. Look at this. I don't even want to read the rest of this thing right here. I'm done with this. I'm always, so Why are you giving some, it air some... time? Deeper. <laughs> you know it's that about Prince, 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 Prince saw streaming 20 years ago. He was the first True. artist to jump on the Internet. He saw this 20 years ago. Now, it wasn't successful. You know, we need to rehash all of that. But he saw, at the end of the day, he saw where African-American musicianship should be owned by African-Americans he, or, and artists. That's true. Very true. He wanted title. He had everything on title. He moved everything on title. We Jay-Z, that, but that's another thing entirely. But he saw the big – Prince was friends with Miles Davis. And the, he saw the whole battlefield of – Black entertainers who lost everything, who didn't control their masters, who died broke, and I mean he saw this, and it's it's kind of disheartening that his estate, you know, they sort of sell into the highest bidder, and you know I'm you know I'm pretty soon I'm sure we're gonna be seeing let's go crazy on McDonald's commercials and what happened. Yeah, I mean, yeah they that's gonna, gonna happen. They gonna, 
All right, don't say that's that. That's going to happen. Oh, come on, man. Don't put that energy it's out gonna there. It's going to happen. No, no. But to get back one more thing, oh. I want to kind of rope Sergio and everybody to this. Yeah. Well, what I'm starting to see now with Black Panther, and I'm, I'm a little late. I just saw it last night. I just want to throw this okay. to the group. Are we in a black auteur film renaissance right now? With film, uh, yeah, films that Sir- are coming out. Before I bring back Sergio, I got a seven three two here. They've been holding on for a while too. I'm bringing seven three two. I'm going to bring back Sergio. We're going to we're going to actually bet. we we've discussed that. I hope that is the case. It feels like it. It feels like it. Uh, seven three two. Welcome to the midweek. Tell us who you are and where you're calling from. We got an extended show. How you doing? This is Joe Cash from New Jersey. Um, hey, I got a what's question up? for you guys. How you guys do? Sure. Um, um, you know the guy, the actor who played in the movie uh, Sorry to Bother You. What's his name again? I can't remember. Boots Riley. Uh, uh, yeah, Lakeith no, Stansfield. Uh, Lakeith Stansfield. Right. right. He is linked to a movie that's going to be uh, Prince, of, Prince of Cats, some graphic novel by Rod Wibbley. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you guys heard anything about that. Uh, you, you have any insight on that? Uh, oh, it, it is it's, a great um, Prince of Cats is a great book. It's based on a sh- uh, Shakespeare story. I uh, uh, that just slipped my mind, but it's essentially an urban oh, take do, yeah, on Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. So, so, and Wembley, uh, it's a very uh, Wembley is, uh, was very influenced by manga type artists. So, right. Right. You, uh, if 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 uh, if Stansfield's going to be in it, and they do it kind of like the book, it may come out like uh, oh, like like uh, at a frenetic, crazy pace. Don't expect anything dry. It'll be just like uh, I, I I have visions of it being like Scott Pilgrim. Something like that, mm. except an okay. urban, a more urban take on it. You know that that's what it is. Because uh, uh, and folks out there, Prince of Cats is in every public library, and and it's it, I recommend it. It is a must read. You know it it's just for it's like manga crossed with Shakespeare. That's what it is. It's it's crazy going all across, like all across this city. This love slash crime story, and it's totally urbanized. It's totally POC driven, and knowing that Stansfield's a part of it, and I, it, it, I, I think it, I think I, I'm hoping for its success. Now the book uh, came out in September. Uh, I can't remember. Uh, Two thousand twelve. Well, it's a Vertigo book. So it's a Vertigo, vertigo book, book. I believe, yeah. right? So right. did did they reprint it? it, it I, I heard it like been, been to image or something like that. Is that uh, y- yes? Imagery, sure. imagery printed it. I want to say 2015 because that's okay. when I got yeah. I got my copy from him at the Schomburg. So when I okay. read it, I was like, "Oh shoot, this thing is nuts! This is crazy! Whoa!" And then as I saw the the movie news pop up on Twitter, I went. I yelled out yes very, very loudly on a crowded train. <clears throat> Not exactly my finest moment. Anyway, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's supposed, so to, be like I, Romeo, it's supposed to be like Romeo Juliet or something like that? Uh, yeah, exactly. It, it is Romeo Juliet. It is oh, okay. Romeo uh, Juliet, but crossed it with manga. 
like crazy. Like imagine if Romeo Juliet meets Samurai Champloo, but you're setting <laughs> it in, but you're setting it in in the Detroit, Brooklyn. That's what. The, well, I think it's, that's what it feels like. Yeah, New York, New York, New York right? No, well, I think it's in Brooklyn, wasn't it? I think it's isn't it in Brooklyn? Oh. It's like a violent, yes. a violent Brooklyn thing. It's. I mean, it's, it's Brooklyn, not, but not not Brooklyn these days. That's what I'm saying. Well, yeah, yeah, not But you know what's what's interesting is that uh, to kind of answer what uh, Bison was asking about the Black Renaissance, are we in the midst of it? I mean, when you think of even Lakeith, like Lakeith kind of has this this laconical kind of style, like he's kind of half out of it, but he seems to be very careful about the kind of projects that he's picking. Like everything is kind of artsy fartsy and has a little bit of gristle to it. So. The fact that he's even looking into this graphic novel, and I think there's somebody else. There's like another person that's adapting something to a graphic novel. I think for TV, I, I read it. I, I glanced at it. This is not the only graphic novel that's being adapted. I mean, obviously, but I think some some another black person is adapting something as a graphic novel thing. But anyway, um, Sergio, what are your what are your thoughts about what Bison is asking? Like, are, I think you've talked well, about. Well, first of all, I've said, said that. We, I've I've been saying that for a while now that we are in. A new renaissance of, of of black filmmaking. Yes, you're always going to have the Will Packers. Y- you know, yes, you're always going to have Malcolm D. Lee. You know, doing his stuff with, you know, uh, what's the guy's name, the comedian, uh, Kevin Hart, and you know that ghetto chick. What's her name now? I can't remember. Tiffany you Haddish. Know, the ghetto Tiffany chick. Haddish. Tiffany Haddish. Right. Yeah. You're always going to have that. But look at, I just tweeted at you today, look at this huge piece that was in Variety today about um, Jordan Peele and his whole operation, Monkey Paw. And you have Black Klansman, and you have the HBO series, um, uh, Lovecraft County, which is being shot right now here in Chicago. He's going to do the Twilight Zone. And you have uh, Barry Jenkins. Now, I will tell you, you may not like this, but I think uh, Boots Riley, one of the reasons why we're having this renaissance, in my opinion, is that we're having now a new generation of filmmakers who are coming from outside the norm. What do I mean by that? Um, uh, Jordan Peele was a comedian. Uh, he did That's skit true. comedy. Also, I, because he's biracial, and I think, you know, he's always talked about he felt he was rejected by black people when he was growing up. He never found his place. So then he found his outlet through comic books, through, you know, horror films. You know, Boots Riley, you know, his background was in music, you know. And he's 50 years old and made his first movie. Uh, Barry Jenkins, his background is, is really immersing himself in foreign films. It wasn't black cinema, it was foreign cinema that really he learned his appreciation of movies and learned his style. So I think that's what's happening. You're getting a whole new generation now of filmmakers who are coming from other means. You know, most of the filmmakers who came previously, they're all trying to copy, they, they all trying to copy Hollywood. Yeah, I think you, you're making some serious points. I think the fact that these people are coming from outside the system. I mean, even the gentleman, uh, David, what's his last name? For, for, yeah, uh, David uh, Diggs. David yeah, Diggs, Diggs, right. Yeah, the, he's from uh, Hamilton. 
You know, these guys are not really, you know, they're, they're, they're not really coming in from that machine. So I'm, I'm kind of glad that we're, we're getting voices from not the typical machine. I don't know how long it's going to last, a, but... A, a film, I should say, a film that we showed at Black Harvest last weekend is a movie called Jin. That's J-I-N-N. Uh, directed by this young... Is that the science fiction right. or is that Ken? Is there a Ken? No, 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 the Jin. Jin. J I N N. Okay, but there's a Ken also. Coming yeah, I know about that. That might, that might right. be okay. I'm going to check it out. But Jin is this wonderful movie about a young um, 17-year-old girl. It's been picked up for distribution. It's coming out this November. And I, I don't want to mess up the director's name because it's a Muslim name. But um, the movie's based on her experience. And once again, she came from a Muslim household. So her whole um, life, you know, growing up, is different, you know. They're coming from different venues, different experiences. They're not coming, you know, just somebody who made a couple movies and trying to copy what Tyler Perry did or trying to do something that, you know, Will Packer. Will Packer has his audience. He got his comedies. You know, he's never going to he's never going to expand beyond that. You know, but the new generation, they're looking at Ryan Coogler. They're looking to move beyond that stuff. They're they're moving outside the box, as I always call it, moving outside the box. Let me ask uh, you know, uh, real quick. Uh, can I can I ask something real quick, Debert? Go ahead. Uh, yeah, sure, sure. So we, you know, we we're we're always talking about inclusivity and stuff like that. I plan to go see this film. I'm curious if anyone else has. Has anyone seen uh, Crazy Rich Asians? I have. Yeah. Yes. Never seen it. Never seen it. Uh, okay. It's a you know, no, you... it's a chick flick. No, I. Don't really look at chick flicks, you know. Yeah, I, I, I saw it. I saw it and I liked it. I'm I'm not really the audience for it, but I got a, a few friends. I promised them if they went to see Black Panther with me, I would see Crazy Rich Asians with them. And yeah, yeah, I I I I kind of digged it. Now the thing the thing that that makes it special for me is that the lead actor did not get his start as a lead actor. And you could see during this that he struggled with some of the more intimate scenes, but but he, as the movie goes on, he gets his acting chops alongside Constance Wu and and uh, oh my God, it, it, and Awafina, I agree with everybody. This woman's a breakout star. She every scene that she's in in this. She steals the camera. The camera loves her. So uh, she she stole the camera in that Oceans movie. She steals the camera here, too. So there is your not informed but informed review from me. Because, again, I'm not a rom-com guy, but you know what? It was good. It was good to me. I plan on checking it out. Yeah, you know, uh, Aquafina, I've been looking at for quite for a minute. I think I've mentioned Aquafina on the show previously because um, she's from Queens. First of all, she's a Queens girl. She came in through the rap game for a minute, and also she has a, she had a pretty funny. Uh, I don't know if she still has it, but she had a pretty pretty funny um, YouTube show where she's in delis 
She's in cleaners. I mean, she's got a real biting acerbic wit. And uh, uh, what's the Bobby Lee? She's also been on Bobby Lee's podcast, and I, I love Bobby Lee uh, from Mad TV, who's another person that is coming in through the comedy game who's extremely funny, and I think maybe because of, of his ethnicity, he, he, there's kind of a drawback there. So, um, you know, Margaret, Margaret Cho maybe. I mean, it, it, look, this is one of the, the things that I was trying to, trying to convey to, to – um, to to um, huh, why am I forgetting a name already? <laughs> Claire. To Claire, yes. To, to Claire is that uh, look, we know a little something about underrepresentation, but these things happen in waves, and I think uh, you know once that talent comes out, once you open up the door a little bit, it's going to be hard to keep people from 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 uh, being left out. So I think it's it's time. I will, there's a, a number of Mulan is being talked about now, the live action Mulan thing. So I think that uh, hopefully we will see more representation from everybody: Asian folk, Black people, Latino people, Latina, Latin X, pardon me, uh, Native Americans. You know, when's the last time we seen more? You know, what is uh, Scout, the the graphic novel? Has it was there any was there there talk about a Scout movie or TV series? Daryl, uh, I think HBO has the rights to it, and yes, it's in pre-production or whatever. But again, uh, uh, as much people who said they liked the the book, I really didn't like the book, like like some people did, because there was it, it was like Jessica Jones season two for me. I didn't have any characters in it that I read that I liked. And now you're going to put Native Americans on TV and have all of them just unlikable? Really? Okay. Well, hope, hopefully they straighten it out. It's not, like, it's not like, I mean, that's more of a recent comic book, you know, within the last, like, 10 years. Uh, but what, what, what graphic novel starring people of color hasn't needed to be rehabilitated? <laughs> Almost everything. Luke Cage. Um, you know, anything with black folks in it or people of color, that's go- they're gonna have to do some rehabilitation. Even the stuff that that uh, with, with Asian folk, anytime it's just what it is. People of color in comics in, in in the past were never really perceived that well. Breakfast at Tiffany's, you know, with Mickey Rooney, it was it was cr- it's cringeworthy. I mean, that's just the way. This is this is the, the 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 make America great again. That's the America that Trump is referencing. When people of color were put in a bad light, that's the that's the America that uh, that Laura Ingram and and Donald Trump are referencing. I'm just saying. All right, uh, and, and Captain, I didn't hear from you. What are your thoughts about even the question of a black renaissance? Starting to look strong, but as I said before, we'll see by. <clears throat> if it's still going after 2024, but right now it's looking strong, looking real strong, looking real strong. It is looking strong. And as I, you know, I will say this pertaining to crazy rich Asians. As a red-blooded white male here in America, I must say this: if they could okay, put together movies such as like Tom Cruise, because I'm not concerned with all this ethnic business. 
Make a good movie. If you make a good movie, I'm there. Damn your ethnicity. Damn your race. That's what I'm saying. Okay? Bring that to the table, and I will go see it. That's all I'm concerned. Go Tom Cruise. Make something like that. Thank you very much, Black America. Thank you. Oh, dear God. I know. <laughs> I can't even comment on that. Okay, let's move forward a little bit. I think this will be of, of, of interest to um, to Q-Storm. I, I don't really know what the hullabaloo is per se. I don't know. I guess I have a clue. They have an actor chosen to portray Spock for season two of Star Trek Discovery. And I, I'm hearing some stuff. That I, I, what, it, it, they don't like the guy or something? Like, what's going on? Let's go, Q. Let's go, Q. You know what? I, are we th- I'm what's sorry. I, I missed the first. I, I heard I, there was a lot of noise. I couldn't hear the first part. Okay, go ahead. I got. No, so I didn't what, I'm hear, saying was, is, what I was saying is that they chose this actor to portray Spock for Discovery, Star Trek, Season 2. Oh, yeah. And it seems to be, there seems to be, like, is there a quasi, is there? A quasi controversy about the, this this particular uh, actor, or is it more about Spock showing the character Spock showing up in season two anyway? I mean, we kind of thought that you're going to meet the Enterprise. It ended with the Enterprise face to face with the Discovery ship. But what say you? Well, what I'm about to say, I can't. I'm not. I can't say that this is the prevailing wisdom. I haven't heard any negative or positive yet, surprisingly. And I'm on Twitter and Facebook. On I, I'm on at least a ten Star Trek pages. Um, I think overall, what I've seen has been uh, split fifty-fifty, positive, negative. And I, I put me in as you know, surprise in the negative column. And you guys all know why, but we want some good radio, okay? Well, I don't know why. Discovery, we we like it now. Uh, about and by the way, I'm gonna give a shout out to um, Midnight's Edge uh, on YouTube. These guys, there. I don't know if they have a connection to the industry, but they break oh, down. Yeah. I I recommend you. I think you showed me the uh, video. I recommend yeah, I going to check out. They do a whole in depth analysis. I'm gonna watch it again. I'm gonna have the guys on the red shirts. We're gonna record this Sunday. Um, they break down why Discovery turned out the way it is, and it's a little disheartening. Even though I did end up liking it overall, but um, it seems like they are mired in effery, and they're going to double down on it. And even though I liked the first season of Discovery, uh, at least 80% of it, I I feel like if we like it, you don't have to ride coattails and, and, and hang your hat on something that's already happened. You can introduce the Enterprise. You can introduce Captain Pike because Captain Pike was only seen in one episode, which was aired aired in the '90s or '80s, because it was an unaired pilot that never that didn't uh, get picked up when Star Trek initially didn't get picked up. So not that many people knew Pike does not have a huge on-screen presence. That's why when uh, Bruce Greenwood was cast as Pike for those Kelvin movies, I didn't really. I was like, fine, whatever. But Spock, listen, just knock it off. Spock was <laughs> Leonard Nimoy defined the Vulcan, followed by Mark Leonard, followed by Tim Russ. Leave that alone. Stop. Uh, let, let's this, let Warner Brothers and CW 
have multiple Jokers, multiple, possibly multiple Supergirls, multiple Flashes. That's what they do. We don't need to be having multiple Spocks. It's not necessary. So that, that's the short of it. The long, I mean, I'm not going to get into the long of it, but after watching that video, I realized, I mean, I, I, some of it I knew, other parts of it I did not know, that the whole Star Trek thing was a, it was just a football that was bounced around corporate boardrooms, which is why Discovery looks so different, uh, feels different, has a different POV, not through the captain. Um, and even though I did like it, it's just disheartening to see the how the sausage was made and what we got. Oh, and the different-looking Klingons. Um, and and it, it would take way too much time to go into why it turned out the way it did. It, but yeah, it's all about know, licensing. Think... It's all about licensing, marketing. It's the whole thing. Same thing with Marvel, Sony, and Fox. It's the same. It's the same corporate bull blank. Yeah, I want to bring um, the uncanny into this thing because I, I too, when I was, I was transfixed on that clip that you're referencing because they went into a great amount of detail behind the scenes as to exactly what went on. I mean, they threw out, they threw some of the SJW isms involved, which I was a little disheartened. I mean, look, we spoke about that at the time, you know, but I I didn't put as much emphasis the way that this particular uh, YouTube channel did. They went really into that. And also I, I was unaware of what you just said, what you just said, Kustom, that this was a, a yet another Toyetic situation. Now, when we when we were fortunate enough to interview Dwayne McDuffie, even I was unaware of the toy cartoon connection. That when you had something like uh, Static Shock, which was actually a successful and highly rated cartoon, black themed cartoon, on for like four or five seasons, it didn't go beyond that because they really couldn't sell any toys. Benton will be around forever because they're able to actually translate those sales that translate what's on in the cartoons into toys but i didn't i did not necessarily see star trek in that same vein they broke down that they were prepared to put out the 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 figures and 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 the and the ships and all the toys connected to discovery that they they really didn't have the toys available for that thing for that as long as there's toys to sell connected to discovery that Discovery will probably stay afloat. And also the fact that Netflix were, was the underwriter for uh, Star Trek Discovery. That much well, we we all knew that, also. though. I mean, that, that wasn't a secret. Well, well not, to the, not to the extreme that they, they were able to essentially coast for the full season because of Netflix money. I didn't know it to, to that degree. So that's the reason. Now, now that Netflix really isn't about it like that specifically, you know, it's, it's going to be a little harder. I don't know. We don't know how many people remained as subscribers with CBS All Access. I have no idea what's going on. The fact that they have so many Star Trek IPs after Discovery, I'm still, I'm still thinking it must be something of worth. Anyway, uh, Daryl, what are your what? thoughts about uh, Ethan Peck? And again, that surname, Ethan Peck, he's the grandson of the great Gregory Peck. So he comes from good stock. I don't know what that means as far if his genes have translated to being a, an actor. Gregory Peck was a hell of an actor. I don't know about Ethan Peck, but who knows? What do that's, I know? That's why I come at it from the other direction. After, if, if they truly did not want this, you wouldn't have made Sonya Green's character 
a part of the Spock family. You wouldn't have done, you would she's a part of another Vulcan family. So don't make don't connect her with Spock. As soon as that happened and you got Sarek in here, you knew eventually Spock was gonna show up. And oh, they're running into oh, this is this is Captain Pike talking. I was like, okay, we're gonna get Spock. It's a foregone conclusion. That's like saying, oh, we're getting a Supergirl series. And then going, when Superman shows up, why is he here? Fools, you knew that was going to happen. We're going to get Arrow. Oh, why is Black Canary here? So they're linked. So once you see Pike there, Spock served with Pike early on before he got uh, transferred to Kirk. So guess what? That's what you're going to get here. Because remember, this isn't the movie universe. This one is tied to the original series universe closely. So uh, that's why guys losing it that, oh, they're going to give me Spock. Da, da, da. Like, you already knew this coming in because of how they set her up. All right? You're, you're shouting into the wind. All right? If you truly did not want a Spock connection to this, then, then, then you shouldn't have watched it from jump because it was going to happen. Once they connected her to Sarek, and once they mentioned Spock in that flashback episode, you knew eventually they were going to introduce Spock. Come on. You had to be a clod not to realize that was coming. As for the actor's choice, yes, he's got the genes. Let's see if he could pull it off. I'll have my popcorn watching and seeing if he can handle it. Simple as that. Back to you, Afrener. All right. I'll so, just say, I- well, Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I just saw I, there was a pause. I, I was going to jump in. Uh, <clears throat> I I have it on record on one of the Red Shirts episodes where we broke down Discovery. I was, yes, when, you know, at the end of uh, season one, of course, you know, when when they, they hint that uh, the registry number of uh, of the Enterprise, when when the, the black uh, uh, communications guys, like, it's registry is one, seven. I was like, oh, my God. I started sweating and shaking it. I'm like, they're not doing that. No, they're not doing it. Oh, my God, they did it. Okay, let's see what they're going to do. Uh, I, I I don't want to see certain characters. I don't want to, because we already have that Kelvin junk. And I'm like, oh, okay. Where are you guys going? You're going down a rabbit hole that you don't want to... Why are you doing this? Why are you making it so much... And, of course, outwardly I showed excitement, but I have it on record where I said, I am troubled by this. What... What are they going to do with this? And none of my red shirt cohorts, none of us want to see, wanted to see Spock. Leave Spock alone. I, I, it's just like if you want to do this property and your corporate jerks can't get together, Paramount and CBS can't get together on this, I don't want to suffer. Just like Dallas said earlier, you take away my Fantastic Four because you guys can't settle it. Now you're going to give me another Spock who, who knows what's going to happen with that. You're going to mess up the timeline. You're going to mess up continuity. And this this is the thing that Midnight's Edge said that this video says that blew my head open that I did not realize that what they're trying to do is basically rewrite the whole Star Trek timeline and create a whole new universe because they can't figure it out. So let's just wipe it all away. Hey Q, well, you know who you know who you and the red shirts are right now with the Midnight guys. You know who you are. You remember the first season of In Living Color when Farrakhan came on the set of the Enterprise? Yes, I that's, know. That's, that's you guys now. Because you do bring up a good point. They focus so much 
on Sonia Green's character and her bonding with her roommate and uh, the, the engineer and the doctor and stuff like that, that we haven't met the rest of the crew. That was Thank a solemn point by you. You know, you, you're going to be Farrakhan walking up to the sister in the back by the communications like, sister, I haven't heard a line from you the whole season. So like, all it is is yes, captain, no captain. I don't know who you are. I can see Q walking onto the Discovery with, with his cohort like Farrakhan in the first season of In Living Color. And folks out there that don't get what, what I'm talking about, Man, that says a lot about you that you never saw in Living Color, especially the first couple of seasons. Man. What this is, real quick, and I'll be done. This, and I'll put it in Twitter. This is basically the Man of Steel syndrome. I don't, I don't, I barely know the bridge crew. You know, there's not a single Star Trek series where you don't consider the bridge crew to be like your family. You know who the doctor is. You know who the helmsman is. You know who the captain is. You know who communication is. You know who the first officer is, who also sometimes plays a science officer. Those are the sacrosanct characters. Now, they chose not to do that with this version of Star Trek. That's fine. But just like I didn't, I didn't get to see Clark Kent until the last 30 seconds of Man of Steel, and I still don't really know who Clark Kent is as a person. But but they but they put Superman in with Batman and Justice League before they established Superman. You're you're giving me Spock. Get out of here! You give me Spock. I don't know my family on the on Discovery yet. Let me tell you something, Captain. You Star Trek sycophants. Let me tell you something. Oh, uh, here if we go. So so, <laughs> if you're so so, you guys are gonna watch it regardless and lick it up. I mean, if it's terrible, you're not. You'll, you'll, you'll drop after like six episodes. But if it's so-so, oh, it's promising. Oh, it's this. It's that. You're going to just lick it up. You don't know, you know? me, clearly. Yeah, 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 you will. You will. You will. You do a red shirt. You, you, you're doing red shirts. You have to have something to talk about. So you got to watch it. You understand? If it's terrible, you'll drop out. But if it's so-so, yeah, 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 you're watching it, and you're going right. to lick it up. You yeah. understand? It'd be like a woman... And a man in a bad relationship. Stay in there, but you're dissing the man at, from the woman. Yeah, yeah. Come on, man. Come on. Clearly, man. clearly, you don't you don't see my video reviews on YouTube. I do see your video reviews. I will you're tear right. a movie to shreds if I don't like you it. You will tear it to shreds, and you're gonna watch anyway. <laughs> well, you gotta watch the review. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. You're, you're embedded, Q. You're embedded. Yes. You hey, hey, Cap. Star Trek Cap. is like your son, daughter, and your wife right now. <laughs> hey, 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 Cap! You, Cap, you know what that is? That that's like us telling people the whole damn time, Iron Fist is trash. Iron Fist is trash. Like all these women talk about, Insatiable's trash. Insatiable's trash. And how quickly did both of those get a season two? Because they yep. hate watched it. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's what's gonna happen. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely correct. Well, it, well look, Picard, uh, hey, Picard is Picard coming back is to Trump. What if if they wipe out Discovery? It's, it's uh, Picard is to Trump what Sonequa is to Obama. That's all I gotta say. That's all I gotta say. I'm with the Picard thing. <laughs> oh, well, you damn. know something else too. Well, something else too that the Midnight's Edge uh, reference is that this plagiarism that's connected to this Star Trek thing, where. Oh, yeah. uh, what, what was what was it? A, an anime? Was it an? It was a video game. It was a, a video, video game. A video game. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, it was a video game where 
some the beats are exactly the same. I mean the tardigrade, <laughs> the, 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 the I mean the tardigrade, the the ability to to, to travel through the tardigrade animal, uh, the, the gay relationship between uh, the, the, I guess the one of the crew members. I mean when when you lay out this video game, it's exactly Star Trek Discovery. I mean uh, it, I mean I don't know how to Mass Effect. I don't think I don't even know if it's that. I, I don't think it's even Mass Effect. I forgot the exact video game, but oh, it was Midnight Ed. It was I think it's the, the word Tardigrade. Yeah, it was called Tardigrade something, or I forget. I mean, I, I had vaguely yeah. heard about that—that uh, that it was a ripoff of a video game. But I didn't—I didn't know more. They go into more, more detail. But look, come on, I mean, Matrix. There was supposedly it was a black woman who wrote that. This dude, Terminator. Oh, that's been uh, that's Universal been Soldier. Been, come on. But, but that woman's been to be. Hey, listen, sometimes black folks hold on to to a, what what is apocryphal. Is the, the the barbershop on uh, steroids? That woman was just debunked. I mean, she just, just, just wasn't saying. what it was supposed to be. I was hoping. Is, was, look, I I was hoping that that woman's story was going to be legitimate, but she turned to be a loon. There's truth to that thing. I'm just saying it happens all the time, you know. Yeah, I'm looking for the link now for this uh, plagiarism thing here. Uh, I'm trying to look for this thing, but they there is some kind of there is some kind of I'll look I'll look it up eventually. But there is some kind of video game out there that re, kind of references discovery discovery references from. So it, it's a little bit disheartening. Um, I look I, I'm I'm in, but when I started hearing this, the SJW connection, that bothered me a little bit. That they, it's like that they, there's a lot of is that Daryl? You guys still hear me? I can hear you. I hear you. This is, this is Q. Okay, that must have been Daryl. That, that must have been Daryl. I'd have, I'd have put Daryl down a little bit. Let me bring him back. Daryl, you okay? Daryl. 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 I don't know. I see his number. I don't hear anything. Because this thing was kind of screwing up. Yeah, I got a bunch of feedback all of a sudden. I had to pull the headphone off. So I'm going to mute for okay. a little bit. I'll join you back in the set. Okay. Okay, all right, no problem. I'll bring you back. All right. Oh, uh, bottom line is, hopefully I wish the best with Discovery 2, uh, Season 2. I'm going to be in. Um, I didn't even think that you know, maybe there could have been other stories beyond sticking to the Spock. You know, it, it, I don't know. I guess it was, an, it, it really is, it really is on repeat. Hollywood can't help but re, help but repeat itself. So it is what it is. All right. Let me mention this quickly. Now I, I, Bring I in said, <laughs> well, we're, we're, I'm assuming we're going to see most of that crew from the original series. I don't know. I don't want to see that. Who wants this? Why do I want to see that? Oh, yeah, you're, you're, little, you're a little late on that. I mean, you, you saw the you saw the, the last episode. It clearly showed a meeting, a face to face meeting between the Enterprise and Discovery. I get it. And then what did you what did you see in the trailer? You saw Pike get out of the traditional. Uh, it was kind of tweaked a little bit, but the traditional uh, yellow polo shirt, and now he's wearing a Discovery yeah. uniform. So that means I don't I don't want to go on the Enterprise. Because you, you're not going to show me an Enterprise that looks like the Enterprise we all know. 
because that would be ridiculous to do that in the 60s. It's not going to be an enterprise from the Kelvin universe because Paramount's like, no, you you guys kicked us off with your license, so this is our this is our playground. You can't look like what we got going on here. So well, look, that's should, what that that's what Star Trek continues is for. <laughs> Let's give you 100. Oh lord! I told you before that. Well, you don't think Star Trek continues is fairly decent? I mean, even their mirror episode and the fact that uh, Doohan's son. No, no, no. I, I, I just. I just I, I, I just, I'm just saying I, I just I just don't have time to watch it. And I'm gonna stay. It, it, I, I don't, it's probably very good. I just haven't had taken the time to see it. It is quite good. It is quite good. The, you know, I mean, I I thought that the, their continuation of the mirror episode, which I've mentioned quite a few times, I'm almost thinking is canon. It was so on point for me. You know. Anyway, um, quickly, I want to mention this Wakanda thing. Wakanda. Now, I, I had told folks that this if you let that Black Panther thing cut loose, and I'm battling people on, uh, on Twitter where they, they, they're thinking I'm, I'm they're likening me to a white supremacist, which is absurd. <laughs> uh, I mean, look, I'm, I feel like I'm coming more and more like Harriet Tubman, where uh, famously she said she would have been able to free more Negroes uh, you know, if, if they That's knew true. they wanted to be free, yeah, but almost almost at at the barrel of a gun, you had she had to uh, free these Negroes. So when I talk about James Bond, maybe you might want to have your own James Bond versus he wakes up with, with reverse vitiligo and he's like the same dude, and we supposed to be we supposed to just believe that? I mean, come on. Even if it was a reimagining of James Bond, I might be able to go in that direction. But don't just have like James Bond, like the next James Bond, and all of a sudden. He's just a black guy. I mean, come it's on now. Stop it, D-Bert. You, can, you I, can't talk like that, D-Bert. You can't say that. I know I can't is say, but I'm going to Of his old ship. He's going to go down with it sinking. He don't care. He's happier that way. <laughs> if it sinks. That's right. I told you. <laughs> well, well, look, I'll say it every day. Hashtag I, Trevor King. Because, because, exactly. Because I, because I am 98% right most of the most of the time, what I'm telling, I'm but even battling care, your boy. Uh, they don't care is, if you write. Houston, <laughs> uh, Michael Dean, who I have a great deal of respect for, and we can, I'm just kind of half joking, uh, and I support the Prince podcast, but even he was kind of leaning on this. It's no big deal to flip the guy's race, and everyone had seen everyone but me, the nerd, has this thing about thinking <laughs> thinking it's a little deeper than just flipping a damn. Uh, a, a color, like when it when it suits their when it suits their uh, agenda, we can just flip a color on someone. And since when is black just a color? I, I, like uh, Mike had said something to me the effect this is via Twitter. He had said something about, um, well, I guess he was thinking, well, th- there's no cultural context to James Bond. Like James Bond is just like he's he's kind of blank. So if he's blank, we could put anybody in there. That's not he, really I think true. What he, he said, uh, uh, "Was was race ever a part of his character yeah. or something like that?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah a, a British white man killing people, having a license to kill, is very much about race. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> just a clue. <laughs> you know, you, you you get shot just saying you have a gun, black man. So now we got to translate. I mean, it's just another thing. This is why people 
people, I, I can't handle, I can't handle the modern Negro, the modern Negro. I can't handle it <laughs> because, because, let's just keep it 100. Look, I did, with, with my Ajita, with my Ajita, I did research. I, I implored people to read the article I did, okay, the article on this whole, this whole non- nonsense. In real time, M5 and M6 have a minority hiring problem. So we're going to have a stupid Negro in all this? Betting down all types of women. Come on now, that's my. That's not like not my fantasy. It's not like it's not my fantasy. Okay, the 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 regular the regular Negro has has a difficulties betting all types of ethnicities. Okay, <laughs> so we're gonna. So now we're gonna put this on screen, and we're gonna let, let that fly like that's gonna be real. He's just black today. He's just he woke up this morning and, and just, you know oh everything's all good. Come on, man. I'd, ra- I'd rather that be. A- I'd rather you do a Freaky Friday, James, Bo- uh, uh, James Bond, if it's going to be like that. Then, and the whole joke of the white man has the black body and he looks down at his shorts and everything, and he smiles. <laughs> Knock it off. That's what these Negroes want. They want that Freaky Friday as James Bond. Oh, until man. the cops until, until, until he pulls out that gun for the first time and he gets shot before he actually gets a chance to to, to pull up and have a legal kill. <laughs> Come on, you're having some super negro having that kind of power. Would hey would, would Pussy Galore be black or white? Would she be black or white actress playing that part? Or would it be Minnie, <laughs> like the name implies? Oh <laughs> <laughs> wow! Would it would it just be one? I'm just saying. Maybe plural. <laughs> As the name implies. I have no idea. <laughs> I, 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 something I want to say more grotesque, but I can't. I'll tell you, after, after, after dark, quit messing around, man. What you waiting for? <laughs> my, 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 my name is Nappy Dugout. Nappy Dugout. <laughs> oh, God. No. <laughs> N-A-P-P-I... Dugat. Nappy Dugat. What? Uh. I can write this easily. I can write this very easily. Anyway, anyway, shout out to Michael Dean. Check out Prince Podcast. Uh, nothing against him, of course. But I, I just thought that, you know, it's the other cat I got a problem with from Fan Bros. But we'll leave it at that. We, we're battling on Twitter. That battle is done. I, I just, I can't. I try, to, I try to give you a life preserver, and these, they don't want it. So, have at it. I tried. I tried. Well, I got blocked. So, I got blocked, so I'm good. Yeah, we, we can't handle we can't handle debate. I know Mike Dean is good people, so that's not a problem with him. But other folks, they, 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 I don't know what that is. You know, I have no idea. <laughs> grown, 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 the real grown people. So you got the you got you got grown people, right? You got fake grown people that want to pretend that if they're forty, they're still twenty. Okay, so. You got the you got the you got grown people, but fake grown people and grown grown people. So I already know that the the scale has tipped on Michael Dean that he's a real grown person, but the other side is like fake grown people. I'm just saying. Just uh, Af- Af- I just stop talking Inish, okay? That's what he couldn't come on the show because you were talking to Inish. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. So what would happen is he'd come on, he'd be respected, but he would lose the debate. And that's what it's going to boil down to. <laughs> that's it. 
you know, anytime someone says, I don't, want, I don't want to come on here, you know, too many grown men, and we're going to be disagreeing, and, I, you know, we can't come. Look, a debate is entertaining for the audience to get information. It ain't, all, it ain't really always about you. It's about the information that's being disseminated. It's about men being nerds and blurs and enjoying the conversation and, and having a healthy debate. But this whole thing of if I don't agree with you, that's a problem. I, I, I'm confused. And, it, and this is really just a generational thing, and something. I don't get it. Uh, people like, people like uh, Phil Donahue make careers out of this kind of thing. But Negroes, we can't seem to do that. I don't know. I'm confused. Over, over, like, the, over like nerd stuff. Pe- people have been arguing about Hulk versus Superman for years. Okay, so I don't, so that is that is. I mean, let's keep it one hundred. The quintessential nerd thing is we debate about all kinds of stuff: Star Trek versus Star Wars. Okay, but I mean, which and I see I can go really deep. I, I believe they actually had that debate. Okay, but this debate we can't have. So the the the, the crux of being a, a nerd and by a, a blurred is debate, except this time. Because you're going to lose the debate. And, and proof positive, when people tried to clown me on stage a few years ago, and I'm, ta- I'm, pleading, with, I'm pleading with the Negro that, you know, you could take your, you could take your, you could take your shackles off. The coast is clear. The, the, you know, the, 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 the slaver is gone. The overseer is gone. The coast is clear. All right? Wakanda appears to be – now, didn't I say that they cut loose – Wakanda, they cut loose this story. We're going to actually see people trying to figure out a way to make bank off of it. Even though Disney made the money, it's not, it's not going to stop you, black man, black woman, from, from eating off of it if you get out of your feeling. I said that. I said that. So now we have a financial, a financial cryptocurrency, a financial cryptocurrency firm, Wakanda. Wakanda is a real thing. Hopefully, Marvel doesn't lay down the SmackDown, but they people are saying they might not be able to to, to beat that because it's not Wakanda; it's Wakanda. Black cryptocurrency, and they're trying to get investors. What are your thoughts about that? Now, I mean, people may think it's goofy, but somehow this movie inspired black folks to get together and do a cryptocurrency. You can't get any better than that. What are your th- What are your thoughts? I don't think it's that goofy. I don't. Listen. Um, yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Well, my thoughts are you need Donald Trump to win more presidency, tighten up, you know, get a little more, a little worse here, more Maybe. with our uh, race relations here, and you'll see more things of this nature. It forces your ass to move, whether you like it or not. If I tell you you can't eat over here, you gonna because one thing black people do better than everybody else. Regardless of what anyone wants to tell you, you're survivors. You know how to do that. And sometimes, not all the time, sometimes, not all the time, sometimes you got to turn the heat up a little bit, and you'll get more of it. You will move because you have the ability to move very well. A lot of us have very good training within the black community. The European society has provided that for us after all of these years. You know, this is not the same black person of a hundred years ago. You can move. But sometimes the grass is a lot greener on the other side. Sometimes the situation here is very green. But if I cut that out, 
you will find a way to move. You will, because you're going to survive. Now, a lot of people don't like that. Everything is supposed to be super liberal and everything else. And as I said before, pseudoscience, hell world. The world has turned into exactly what I told you seven years ago. So let's see. Maybe it goes the other way. But if it does continue to go deeper down the rabbit hole, you will have to do more of these type of things. That's just what it is. Back over to you, Afterlife. Yeah, so I'm going to put a link to this Wakanda thing. Even Black Enterprise has a piece on it. They, you know, they're following this thing. But I, I think it's fascinating. I want to bring Daryl back in there. I know I think he's on the road now. But uh, I'm curious as to what he thinks with, you know, again, we have a comic book movie that is an Afro-themed movie. I know white folks own it. I mean, that's another thing. White people own it, so therefore we're still, we're still prisoners of war. So we can't, we can't move within that space. The NBA was white in 1950. You got Le- LeBron James, although an employee of white people, he's still able to get a black school going. You know what I mean? Do you understand? I, I got, black folks are so comfortable in losing, they don't think they have any kind of autonomy anymore. They, I, 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 mean, I was told that, that uh, I said that I, when I make the connection between NBA and Disney, well, you can't make the connection. Why can't I make the connection? They're both white. They're both corporations. What's the difference? Okay. Uh, you have a black billionaire. We can talk about multi-million dollar slaves. We can, we can use that term. But even, even in that paradigm, you have a multi-million dollar athlete, LeBron James, who's able to build a school. You're, I mean, you know, I, I don't even know. That this, when you got out of slavery, the best you could do is get slaves under a tree. I kid you not. So, I mean, things have improved, haven't they? Or are we still going to do? Is the white man? Is the white man's? Uh, uh, you know, the white man owns Black Panther, so it ain't really black. Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, I, yeah, Jar Jar Binks. It was. I was told Jar Jar Binks, and now we have Negroes because, because of the inspiration. They have cryptocurrency based on the movie. What am I? What, what am I missing here? So I'm going to be the bad guy for stating the obvious. Daryl, what are your thoughts about Wakanda? Well, uh, uh, you know what? I'll say it just like Universal FanCon. Yo, buyer beware. I mean, it's great to have guys uh, enterprising like that, but I I hope to God whoever invests in stuff does their check-in. I I hope these guys have success. You know, get something to rival Bitcoin. Get something we can put our own dollars into. But again... You know, there comes a bit of hesitation because it's great to dream big, but I'll go with Captain. Yo, where's the capital behind it? You know, where, 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 where's the foundation? It's great to dream, but you know what? We're black people. We also deal with reality. You just don't throw your money willy-nilly into this. <laughs> what did I hear there in the background, man? What was that? <laughs> no, listen, man, you could you could throw two, three grand at it and see what happens, man. If you that's, lose that, it's not the end of the world. You know what I'm saying? That's the nog stuff. You know what I'm saying? That's the thing. But listen, you could throw two, three grand at something like this. If you lose it, you lose it. That's not the end of the world, man. That's what we pay for some of us that listen to this show. You know, you know what I'm saying? That's how you got to look at things at times. Take a shot. They beat me, they beat me. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. 
But maybe I you think know, I, use I, a little more force before you try that from the outside forces. <laughs> you know, you know, Captain, you, you may be on to something. We may we may need uh, uh, air air Trump to to uh, put that noose around the neck and tighten it a little bit tighter. Take the air. Well, look. Wow. Well, look. I gotta be vulgar. I gotta I gotta be profane to be profound, because that that appears to be what's motivating people. Let's not let's not pretend. I'm gonna keep you know I I don't like uh I don't like you. Um, let's not pretend that even this black cinematic renaissance isn't being fueled by Donald Trump. Uh, Spike Lee owes his renaissance maybe the bite of black Klansmen for, for Donald Trump. Because if you, if you had gotten, if you had gotten your female president, you would have, black folks would have been asleep at the wheel and would have felt all, all good and comfortable inside, all warm and fuzzy. And we wouldn't have what coined her. I don't, I don't even know if, if, uh, I'm sure Black Panther would have made its money, but I don't know if it would have been a $1.3 billion movie. Just based on the on the presidency, I think that we we really needed that escape, considering the hellhole that we're in right now. You need you need Batman needs a Joker. Not no. As I'm talking, as I'm talking, right? You, that was good. I, I, I would give, hey, I'm gonna give you that one, D Bird. That was good. <laughs> that was good. Well, look, look, we do high frequency discourse here, so I use pop culture a lot. All right, because I see, I kind of see some of the stuff in pop culture that actually applies. There's things that that Daryl, uh, I know he he will he can appreciate this. There are things that that kind of frustrate me about comic books that I see repeatedly, and as I speak now, it, it no longer frustrates me. The the thing I always say that I that I always see, yeah, we see um, you know the Joker and the Batman dynamic, right? But almost all these comic books have this villain thing. Where the I think even in Flash now the latest Flash has like the villain this this thing about the villain saying I'm going to make you a better hero I'm going to, I got to make you go through pain this Professor Zoom this whole Flash War thing this the, this fifth P- Professor Zoom <laughs> okay I think it's Zolomon this 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 third, fourth or fifth Professor Zoom which is another code name I used to use when I was a kid. <laughs> that that character is constantly enunciating. I gotta make you guys suffer to to, to Wally West and to Barry Allen because you guys have got to be the most insane thing. I keep on seeing that, and it didn't dawn on me until I had this until we're having this conversation. That is what Donald Trump might be for the Negro. I gotta give you more pain for you to become a better to become better. It might could, it might be that crazy. It might be that crazy, because now we got a black crypto uh, currency, and I think Captain said something very important that we you might stand to, you might stand to want to put in two thousand dollars into it, a grand, two grand, three grand, because we're put we're throwing away money and giving money to the enemy all day long. This is true. Without even a care, I got to mention this real quick. This is a very inane thing, very inane, but I I, ha- I have to think about the inane. And it goes back to this hashtag get on code. I'm going to make this hashtag get on code become viral 
if it kills me. So, um, Father has a has a has a jag, right? The 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 the, the headliner in the car was coming down. I mean, this is not uncommon, right? So the headliner in the in the car is coming down, and I told my father. I said, um, I said, I, I my our, my knee jerk reaction was there is there is a black upholsterer that that we go to for all kinds of things, right? So and he does excellent work. So we go to the well, he goes. He goes to the upholsterer shop, and the, the upholsterer is no longer there. Like, there's something happened. I don't know what happened. I think he, he inherited his father's business. Uh, he's, he's an older gentleman, but he inherited his father's business, which is important, inheriting your father's business. And something happened. Maybe the rent was too high. You know, this is New York. So, but he did have a contact information that maybe he's operating in some other circumstances. So there's another upholsterer that we know of that's white. Fine gentleman, he's also done some work. I think he, he did some work on my Corvette years ago, right? So uh, I told my father, I said, you know, because he said, oh, well, I'm going to go to the other guy. I said, mm, you know, we need we need to keep that in house. <laughs> I said we need to do our part. We need to we need to keep that. Let's try to keep that in house. Let's try to keep let's try to keep that in house. That recirculation, Black Wall Street, even if it's a damn upholsterer. I, I, I saw my father earlier. The black gentleman was doing an excellent job in, in the car. And I, and, I, and I hate to say, I know this is a minor thing. It's just, it's just, a, it's just a, you know, it's just a car. But we, I want black folks to get on code, even the smallest thing, because I, I've been around it, it other ethnicities. It matters. I, was, I, I hate to say that it mattered to me that my father went to an African-American gentleman to, to, to keep to keep his business going, to circulate that money, we better be even as small as that may seem. If yep. we got to go to your, you, you, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Q, go ahead. See, see here, here, here's the here's the thing. You you've just I think I enunciated I happy. right, and you just enunciated what I am about to say. Uh, even though I fall on the side of Daryl, you took your money to something that was tangible. Okay, and you put money, tangible money, in another brother's pocket. I would be cautious about telling black folks to invest their money in something that I don't even think white folks have figured out yet. This okay. cryptocurrency—that's understandable. You know, I, to me, it's like dino. To me, this is like trying to get me to understand the concept of dinosaurs that haven't been here for millions of years. And I get on my Ian Malcolm and I say, you know, we're so busy thinking about whether or not we could. We shouldn't have thought about. We should have been thinking about whether or not we should. I, don't put your money in dinosaurs that don't exist. Put your money in something that you can touch, feel, smell, and possibly taste. That's just my. That. That's my old school that. attitude. I understand that, but a thousand dollars and two thousand dollars is not going to break the bank. Not like someone said, "Get me fifty grand." You know what I'm saying? That's the point that I'm making. You take shots in life. Take shots with certain things like that. You take a shot. And the truth is, when you're dealing with things like you may get lucky. If they beat you, so what? It's a thousand bucks. You understand? It's not like it's fifty grand. <laughs> fifty grand, you want to go shoot somebody up for fifty. You know what I'm saying, Q? AR fifteen. I guess. Oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> I guess y'all balling, y'all balling queens. I guess. No, no, that's not at all. Look, I, I, 
It's not boring. So I have I have some investments, Edward Jones and uh, E Trade. I have a few investments. Um, I have quite a few investments actually. I mean, little investments, but you know. But anyway, the the, the issue is is that uh, Zuckerberg almost all of Zucker's money Zuckerberg's money ain't real money, but it is real money. We got to be careful about that. There are people who who have figured. Why is it that white folks go through this kind of in and out thing, but they figure it out enough? Or enough white people figure out enough that cryptocurrency to, to do something with it. When it's our turn, we're so scared to dip our toe into it. I'm just saying that the promise of a Wakanda, it, you know, black enterprise is kind of on top of this a little bit. The prom, we could do the due diligence, but we throw money to other ethnicities without even this kind of this kind of uh, gymnastics. I'm not saying you give up your life savings, but I think that the you know a black cryptocurrency, somebody got to do it. Somebody does have to do a black cryptocurrency. Let's keep it 100. I'm looking into Africa, oh, the African sense, stock market. Yes, we have true. two. Afri- you have two African uh, uh, stock market exchanges. African. You don't think I'm looking into that right now? We, we get on code hashtag. I'm going to keep it going. Get on code. If you want to have a, a black bond, let him have his own word. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm called the black white supremacist because I'm t- I want black folks to have their own bond, to have their own toyetic thing so black folks can eat. I know it hurts black people. I know it burns to give you freedom. <laughs> okay, versus, re- reverses, reverse vitiligo bonds. He wakes up one morning, and it's, it's, the Negro wants a Hennessy, but you're going to give him a shake and not stir. Get out of here. <laughs> I want to let that – let that Negro, let that Negro have his red red stripe, or have his Hennessy. I don't want to see a black man with some uh, shaken, not stirred martini. Knock it off. <laughs> Go ahead. Read All right. Black Bond. Black Bond. <laughs> Hello. Hennessy straight. Hello. Straight. Hennessy right, straight. Go ahead. Go ahead. Hello. Go yes, ahead. Yes, we hear sir. you. Oh. Look, very simple. It's very, very simple. In terms of this whole Bitcoin thing, I am not going to invest any money in anything that Moist Watkins was trying to get black people to invest in. This is the same Bitcoin thing that it turned out was this whole scam by this Asian guy who said that Watkins was his black face. To sell black product to, <laughs> I'm not getting involved in that. Well, you know, Wait, what coin to coin? Nah, forget it. Uh, uh-uh, uh, no way. Hold up, hold on, Sergio. It's a different black people. If you don't like McDonald's, Moist. go to Burger King. You don't have a choice. Okay, just because Moist Watkins <laughs> was a little, you know, he, 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 <laughs> because because Dr. Moist. Was, was a little rough around the edges. Doesn't mean that this set of black folks want to do something different. These are different black folks. We can't do. Look, a, a white man will, will put a butt plug in you. I'm gonna be gross. This is after after dark. What? And huh? <laughs> I'm, I'm just after dark. Where's this going, you man? Where's this going? Not me. Why is he called Moist, though, Sergio? <laughs> because that's what they were calling him on the internet, and I thought it was so funny. <laughs> moist Twatkins. That's what they were calling him, right? The and I thought man. it was so funny. <laughs> the white man's butt plug is warmer than the black man's, or whatever. I, whatever. Come on, yeah, I'm man. Telling you. 
<laughs> and, and you know, and by, by the way, that goes back. That goes back to the James Bond thing. You know why? And I said this before because white people think. I'm sorry, black people think that it's white is superior. So getting a black guy to play James Bond, all of a sudden now, he's better than doing his own project. Create your own black spy thriller. What you got to copy? What you got to copy James Bond for? Let the, let James Bond be James Bond. And by the way, we, we had ahead, that in Twenty Four Legacy. You saw me when I said on Twitter. Yeah, right. Twenty Four Legacy. It didn't exactly work. Some black folks don't realize that they that they can do it unless you put the same brand because we can't recognize it unless it's literally in our face. We had that with yeah. 24 Legacy. No one supported it. By the way, I, I have I, a news flash. I have a news flash. Donald Glover and Rihanna are right now making a movie together in Cuba. All right. I have no idea. Uh, well, okay. I have no idea. I don't know what the film is. It's called Guava Island. Speaking of butt plugs, go ahead. <laughs> Since you mentioned those two. By the way, you know that what, what you call that bond? What you call that black girl? What D dugout? What did you call her? What was her? What was that name? Uh, I said I said that uh, Pussy Galore was yes was the, was the Sean Connery version, the black version. Of the right. Nappy Dugout. Nappy Dugout. She's a fr- she's French Nigerian. Yes. <laughs> baby. You wish it was you want. That was you want. I could do this all day long. I'm I've been pleading I've been pleading with the black man. You want an expanded universe. I want my own expanded universe. Okay, we want to, we want to be able we need the help. The the gentleman who's been listening for years, he gave up some guap. So I'm to the listening audience, we'll be able we're not gonna do what others have done. With their conventions, that, we don't work that way. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna keep this blurred movement going. And this is no shade, but that was a reality. This is also reality. Like I'm telling, like I'm telling uh, the great Sergio Mims, because Moist Watkins was a fake with his with his wet coins. Doesn't mean that wow. these people with their with their coins. Well, I'm being honest. Look, I mean, because one black person is, is, is monkey shining. Doesn't mean that another black person is doing that. You but you said fair. it yourself. You said it yourself that because of the success of Black Panther, that people were going to be Ooh. trying to find some ways to cash in on it. Disreputable well, no, well, people. You're taking, well, not, well, you're taking it completely in a different meaning than what I said. I was saying many black folks felt like, well, this is a dis- this is Disney's money. Even so far as asking for a handout, if you remember. It, People wanted Disney to contribute something to black causes because That's true. they gave you the they gave you the gift of respectability. Like, okay, uh, you know, you're not you're not asking Tiffany Haddish to, to give up any 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 guap. You know, when when I saw uh, Black Klansman, I saw two back to back monkey shine videos of Haddish coming out. The the minstrel programming is is on and going. No one said anything. She's fully invested. No one talks about why doesn't she give any money? But Disney is supposed to give money because they actually made you look respectable. 
I'm confused. Anyway, what I said was, if if this, yeah, Disney's going to make its money, but it doesn't stop black folks from figuring out a way to get to 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 garner some kind of monies out of it respectfully, not in the way of like being shysty or or, or kind of hustles. I don't, I'm not saying hustles. A, a cryptocurrency, a legitimate cryptocurrency based on being inspired by Wakanda could be a positive thing. It could be. I hope it is. Well, Black Enterprise is riding up on this thing, so it's it's not like uh, Bossip. Now, if this was out. Of, if this came through Bossip, I might be scratching my head on that one. Oh, you mean or very Spice Brothers? Well, here we go. Well, you get, well look, some folks ride that the route. Uh, look, we. I got into trouble. Did, did you did you refer to the route as as a bunch of eunuchs, or was that me? Ah. Uh... No, I think I did right. So it was on you. I was accused. Yeah. I was. I was. I was told I was disrespecting the root because I used the term eunuchs and cucks, as you said, cuckolds. And I said I don't think I said that. No, but you I, tell them to come to me. Like you. Yeah, you tell them to come <laughs> to me. I, but I w- Yeah. Well, again, Afro Nerd Radio After Dark, Patreon dot com. Forward slash Afro Radio. <laughs> I'm being 100% true on that. We're going to give you information. We're going to give you humor. It's going to be a little bit darker than this. It is after dark. And we'll also keep the Afro Nerd main thing going. More on location spots. We're still working on a couple of special things. You know, we're, we're trying to take this thing over. Because obviously some of the people that want to, uh, want to curate blurred culture are not prepared to do it. They're not. They they want they want reverse vitiligo uh, bonds. We don't want that. We're gonna give you an authentic black reverse vitiligo bond. <laughs> you know, gentlemen, we got seconds remaining. I gave you a three-hour show. We still so wait, so, bon, so Bond is supposed to wake up one day and find out he's black. You, you, like yeah. that scene in in uh, Melvin Peebles' Watermelon Friday. Man when when Godfrey Cambridge. Who was a white guy goes to the bathroom. He pulls down his pants and discovers he's black. <laughs> did I say that already? Did I write that already, gentlemen? We're you already did? Past, we're already in the, we're already in the uh, podcast moment. Three hours plus now. We're gonna, we're right. gonna call it. We're gonna be back on Sunday at six o'clock. It's been real. This is Winter by TV on the radio, gentlemen. As always. <laughs>